Hi, everybody. This is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. Hey, fellow babies, quick note. This podcast is both interviews and travel log. It is long, really, really long. We wanted to get everything from the trip done in one week's podcast so we could get back to doing show episodes. We're going to make this a choose-your-own-adventure. If you're here for interviews only, you'll want to fast-forward. For the Bob Girding interview, go to the 24-minute mark. For the John Kiesewetter interview, go to one hour and four minutes. To hear us, interviewed by Chris and Janine, go to the two-hour mark. If you're only here for the travel log and you want to skip the interviews, the Girding interview is 30 minutes long. Skip ahead 30 minutes. The Kieswetter interview is 39 minutes long. If you're signed on for everything, both travelogue and interviews, just let her run for two hours. If you're wishing this was a show episode, we feel you. We'll be back to show episodes next week. You're not a cop, are you? WKRP in Cincinnati. Hey, fellow babies, it's Alan. And Donna. And we're back Back home home from from Cincinnati. Cincinnati. We just got in about three hours ago from our Cincinnati trip. If you're tuning in expecting a regular episode of the WKRP cast, ready to get bad news for you. We've been in Cincinnati for the last week, so we do not have an episode ready. Uh, Rumors is going to be our next episode next Tuesday, but this week we wanted to talk about the trip to Cincinnati. If you guys are just podcast listeners and you're not aware of what's been going on, check our Facebook page. We've got all kinds of pictures and goofiness from the trip. We originally had scheduled this to be opening day. Major League Baseball kind of messed that up for us. Right. So we, Out of our control. Yeah. So uh, Thursday would have been opening day uh, at the Reds ballpark, and that was the reason we planned the trip for this past week. So we decided to go ahead instead because really we wanted to see the city. Baseball would have been fun, but it wasn't really our intent for the trip. Donna has kept a very detailed journal of our trip. So we're just going to start from when we arrived. We did have a couple of interviews that we did while we were there. And when we hit those, we're just going to run the interviews. We got into Cincinnati when? We landed at the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport at 4.22 p.m. And we took a lift from the airport to our hotel. And we have a video of the lift. Yes, we had a great driver. He did <laughs> not mind if we videoed. But even before we left the airport, though, we did stop for a local beverage. Uh, I had a I had a beer in the airport. At the local. The local, local yes. The, local. the name of yeah. it was The Local. We needed a couple of minutes to sit down and collect our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And we did a selfie. So if you want to check that out, it's on the Facebook page as well. We got to our hotel um, at 545. And we checked into the Flim Building. The Hampton Inn and Suites. In 617 Vine, which is known far and wide to the locals as the Cincinnati Inquirer building. This was the one that was the exterior of the Flim in the show, and we got to stay on the top floor. Well, after we settled into our room, which was on the 15th floor, numbered the 15th floor, but it was really the 14th floor. The top floor. We decided we were hungry, and we wanted to go eat at a good burger place. And we had mentioned... A couple of burger joints just recently in Explosive Affair Part 1. 
when uh, Bailey was going to take uh, Jennifer out to Bounty Burger. Bounty Burger. Which is fictional, but we looked up good burger joints in Cincinnati. And one of them we found was Brew Burger, and it was right in the next block from uh, the hotel. Right. So we headed over there, and wow, good food, uh, cool atmosphere. And you had a sweet Swiss bison. Oh, that's right. I had a bison burger. And then I got the brew burger snack because it was smaller. And then we shared an order of onion rings. Yes. And the onion rings are big, beefy onion rings. There's a lot to them. And then we also shared a dessert, the peach white chocolate bread pudding, (laughs) which was so good. And with ice cream on top of it. I'm a little behind. I'm flipping through my pictures that I took. And I just found something that we've got to post to the Facebook page. We discovered the spirit of pig Sanati. Oh, in the in the in uh, the airport, airport, there's a flying pig out there, and we got a picture. Yeah, <laughs> I got several pictures of it. So, uh, yeah, so we uh, when we first though, I I remember when we first got in the room, we really wanted to do Skyline Chili because we'd heard so much about the Skyline right. Chili, and they close it. All of, the, all of them downtown were just lunch, and, and several of them, uh, there were a few of them that closed at 5, but it was like, what, 6.30, what'd you say, 6.45 when we were in the hotel looking for a place to eat. We had to put the Skyline on hold, but it cracked me up doing a search for Skyline Chili where we were, you know, Skyline near me. There were like a dozen of them that popped up. And we had one 150 feet from the front door of the hotel, which kind of became our skyline. Yes, it did. The brew burger really filled us up. So we took our food bellies back to the room. And And crashed after traveling all day. So we were out, but ready for what was predicted to be fantastic weather on Wednesday. And And it was. It was the only nice weather day yeah. While we were there. And it was the day that we had planned to kind of do a lot of our walking. You mm-hmm. called it our walkabout. Our walkabout. Our walkabout. <laughs> we did our walkabout that day. Because right there where we are with the hotel, it's a block to Fountain Square. And it's just a few blocks to the riverfront. And it's, you know, it's not that bad to get over to the ballpark. great location for us to stay. Yeah. Somewhere around in there, I think it was later in the day, but we discovered the Bell Connector, which was pretty cool too. The free trolley that does a figure eight through Cincinnati. Now they said they started um, giving free rides to everybody during COVID. And it just stuck. And they're not sure how long it's going to last, but it's still going. But it's still going on. And boy, we used that thing like our own personal little it motor scooter. Very it was very handy. It was fun. Well, we started out Wednesday... Our first full day in Cincinnati, we started out at Skyline Chili. Yes, we did. (laughs) And it was very good. We really enjoyed it. And also in the block, and and all of this stuff was like within a block of the front door of the Flynn building. Also, we went into Batsakis Hat Shop, a tradition in downtown Cincinnati since when? 1907, I think? Yeah, something like that. Or, yeah, 1907. So if, hat if shop. you've got a couple hundred dollars that you're not doing anything <laughs> with, you can buy a hat. These are, <laughs> One hat. These are nice They're nice. Hats. He makes them all right there in the shop. And he came here from Greece. Yes. And he and his wife. And he's, how old did he say he was? 85? Yes. And but still, he makes his own hats. And, and, and I found one day. I really wanted, but it was... That's when we also got uh, some shots. We kind of had a chance to really enjoy the architecture of the Flim building. And it's kind of amazing 
the brass and the things that are still there from the time when it was the Inquirer building. And they've done a lot of work to the entrance of the Inquirer building where we stayed. The ground level there, the, the Vine Street level, the tile, the brass, oh, yeah. the, they've shined everything up, they've cleaned it up, and it's beautiful. And fortunately, on the second floor... They've remodeled. And Which made is it, the registration That's, that's desk. registration, and also that's where the free breakfast is. But they have made that very modern. It has been remodeled. It looks really, really nice, but it's not the feel of the old building, which you kind of get on that first floor, which was really cool. We walked on down, or it was like one block further to Fountain Square, where we saw the Tyler Davidson Memorial Fountain. And we did a... This is the one that's used in the opening of WKRP. That says, to the people of Cincinnati. And we did a A live live. Facebook feed. Yeah, we did Uh a Facebook live from the fountain. And we just got lucky because of the nice weather day. It was the only day Day the fountain was on. on. It was not on the rest of the week. We asked a couple of people and they said it's because it was too cold. And there was a worry. And several people were like, hey, when did they turn that on? When they saw (laughs) your... So they turned it on for us. Your Facebook feed. Yeah, I wish... It's an amazing fountain. I mean, it's got a lot of detail to it. You walk around and you look at all of the the carvings in it and everything. It's 43 feet tall. It's like looking up at a four-story building. Yeah, very impressive. And we were told to go back and see it at night when it was when it's lit up, and we did do that. Our friend of the podcast, Canadian blogger Roy Penny, gave us that tip. He said, make sure and see it at night. <laughs> uh, Roy has done his own pilgrimage to Cincinnati, and he did give us a couple of tips on things to see. I got some video of it. I'll try and get that posted, but I got a few seconds of video of it uh, with the colors at night, oh, and, good, it, and it looks good. pretty cool. Then we walked a couple more blocks, and there's the Roebling Bridge. It's a mini Brooklyn Bridge. But it was like the prototype. Yeah, it was. It, before they built the Brooklyn Bridge, 17 years later or something. And, and Keyes told us that there had been another suspension bridge down the river that had been built earlier before Roebling started right. his. And it lasted three weeks before it collapsed. Oh. So people were a little hesitant to get on the suspension bridge. <laughs> well, we walked across the bridge and went into Kentucky, looked yeah. at Cincinnati from the Kentucky side. It's, that was fun. And on, I guess, game day, which we were supposed to be there for Thursday, but on game day, this is opened up for walking traffic and it's just a ton of people going back and forth. But really stop if you're there and in the hubbub and everything, really stop and look at the bridge. It is really cool. And then when we got all the way across, we were quite pleased to discover the murals. Yes, the Roebling murals that are painted on the uh, flood wall on the Kentucky side. And it shows a history of Cincinnati, right? It's every important event that has taken well, place maybe there not on the every, river. But well, well, the key the kind key of the ones. key events. Uh-huh. And Cincinnati is right. Everybody knows about the Ohio River, but I didn't know about until we got there the Licking the River. The Licking River, which the Licking River is on the Kentucky side, and it is the dividing line between. Covington and Newport, and it comes into the Ohio. Yes, and the the Licking River, I like the the story <laughs> we heard of how it got its name. There are salt springs that feed it that feed into the Licking River, which gives it a salty taste and also leaves salt on the rocks or whatever around the edge of the river. And animals would come there, deer and fox and other animals would come there and lick the rocks by the river because they like the salt. It was like a big salt lick for them and that 
got it was a way to identify it that's the the licking Licking river River. (laughs) (laughs) i love that story we really enjoyed the walk across and the weather was beautiful it was sunny and warm and, and it was really nice going across the bridge and when we got back into the city we wanted to find the Who Memorial Plaque, which was eventually erected to the victims of uh, the Who concert in 1979. Uh, it took at the Riverfront Coliseum. At, at Riverfront Coliseum, there's a space there between the Great American Ballpark and the spot that was the Coliseum. That center, it's an enclosed concert venue. Um, there's a space there, a walkway between the two buildings. If we'd have been there for the ball game, it would have been easy access. But because the ballpark was all locked up, getting up there was just terrible. It was, there were a bunch of stairs and uh, a couple of places where we thought the gates were locked. And But we did make the pilgrimage up there, got a couple of pictures. But you can see, uh, if you look on the Facebook page, we got a couple of long shots. And you can see there's nobody there. This is where that concourse would be packed with people on a game day. Uh, so there are a lot of people who have seen that Who plaque. We needed to sit down after. We'd been walking, walking, walking. <laughs> yeah. So we stopped at a place called the Moorline Logger House. It's a very cool building. And it is built on the site of yes. the old Riverfront Stadium. And they have a plaque where first base is. I got a beer and we each got a appetizer. Just a snack, yeah. Just a little something to keep us going, but great view. And because it was a nice day, they let us sit outside. And if you sit outside, you've got a great view of the river. It was very pleasant just to sit and relax for a little while. Coming out of Moorline, we got a lift and we wanted to go to Cincy Shirts. Yes. We'd heard they've got great t-shirt selection and that they might have WKRP. And you'd seen... Some info about it. Great design. Yeah, I looked them up on, on uh, found their webpage. And Unique designs. You don't see them out other places. And they'll they make do them, them right there while you wait. Yeah, whatever size you need, they they if pull they out the, ready, the screen, yeah. they boom, do it right there, and they will custom size for you, custom color uh, of the so base shirt. we spent quite a bit in yeah, there. Yeah, we got a few shirts. <laughs> I got a Cincinnati three-way shirt that I really like. But the guys that work in there are great. One of them, a noted baseball historian who has written books. Kind of the part-time fun gig is being at Cincy T-Shirts, but he really works for the Reds. So uh, he and I talked way too much baseball, and we picked up some fun stuff. And the guys in there told us about the The, free trolley. The Bell Connector. That's how we got hooked up on the Bell Connector. And they told us to go down half a block, and you'll see the stop there. And, And you'll see the tracks. And it does a figure eight over a Probably a 15 north to south block area. Maybe, yeah. And and then maybe six blocks wide. But it loops up around the Findlay Market. It loops all the way down to the riverbank, uh, just, just north of the Underground Railroad Freedom Center is one of the mm-hmm. stops right there at the banks. So we hopped on and started riding. And you can get off and get on as much as you want. There's one by every 12 minutes. That's how we got up to Finley Market the first time. We kind of walked around Finley Market, and that's, and that's when, when we, we met. saw the French crust yes. bistro, which Bailey always wanted to. She was wanting to go to <laughs> an a, expensive little French an place for little lunch. French place, so and that was probably what she was we'd, talking about. <laughs> we'd men- yeah, we'd mentioned it in the show, and there it was. So, and we had even mentioned, you know, off of the Finley Market, not really knowing what the Finley Market is. And if you've never seen the Finley Market, you got to. Check it out. It and is, we didn't go back and get fudge from them. Yeah, place. but boy, oh. the just the fresh meats and fresh seafood. But you walk through it. It's all indoor and neat little shops 
outside each each side of it too, which is where we you found, found yeah the beautiful bags lady. <laughs> she sews all sizes of bags and the, all different kinds of material and decorations. So we found a bag, uh, a bye bye bag for the dog. It's got it's going to be his dog bye-bye bones. Bag, it's, yeah. it's take the dog stuff to the sitter. <laughs> but uh, the folks that own the beautiful bags lady were very nice. We talked to them and told them why we're in, we were in town. Uh, handed out. We had these old business cards that had promotion for the show on them. And we mentioned the next morning we were going to be on the radio with Chris and Janine. And they're fans. They yes. listen to Chris and Janine they've, every morning. They've been doing that forever, I think. Since they've been <laughs> on think, the air forever. Because uh, I, I, I uh, and you know, this was before we talked to them, and I could not remember the name. I said, it's Chris. And, and she finished it and said, and Janine, married with microphones. Oh, yeah, we listen to them all the time. <laughs> so they were really excited about the fact we were going to be on there. And that was, that was neat mm-hmm. to talk to them. And, and also, it was on that jaunt that we came across the poster guy incredible collection of these vintage posters. I don't posters. know how he ke- keeps track of them all. And a lot of, you know, French and uh, foreign language. You could barely walk language through and... his, his little store oh, because of how many he, he had. He knew every piece in there that yes. he had. And it was really cool. We told him what we were doing. We said, do you have any WKRP posters? And, we, and he said he didn't think he did KRP, the TV show, but probably he did some of the bands and some of the posters that would have been on the show. Mm-hmm. So you we, saw a couple of the posters. Yeah. Yeah. There, there were a couple. So There so we, that were on the show. We explained what we were doing. And he said, oh, yeah, I saw that in the paper. So we we had had an article in the paper. So it was kind of fun to get mm-hmm. recognized a couple of spots, you know, being there in town. And we were getting ready to hop on the trolley to go back to the hotel when we saw uh, a little wine and cheese rind. place. The Rind. <laughs> and it's R-H-I-N-E-D. Uh-huh. Because we were in the Over the Rhine neighborhood. And there's a whole story behind that, but the OTR. OTR, Over the Rhine. The Over the Rhine. They built a neighborhood over what had been a canal, and they called it the Over the Rhine. So we got a little tray of different oh, cheeses man. and so- crackers. We did the soft and- cheeses. Oh, they were, it was good, making Very my tasty. mouth water thinking about it. <laughs> we were right across the street from the trolley terminal, so we got to watch the trolley go by a couple of times. And, and when, when we, we were ready, coming, boom, we that, hopped on. We just jumped on and we headed on back towards our hotel. And that was the end of our walkabout day. And man, we were tired. It was a great day and it went by so quickly. Yeah, and we tried to get a bunch of pictures. Um, there were some things around the ballpark that I got some shots of that I'm going to go try and get those posted, uh, some things that I haven't posted yet. Also, around Washington Park, we got out and saw oh, yes. the music hall. What a building. Wow. And then it houses... I think the CSO, Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. Okay. We had the mention of them on the podcast because Bailey was wearing that Thomas Shipper shirt right. who had been a director of the... Cincinnati Symphony. So another show tie at the at the music yeah, hall. Yeah, they had a, a great dog park there. It was fun yes. watching the dogs play there at Washington Park. Since it was a nice day, the park was pretty busy. Kids running around playing and dogs running around playing, and it was just a very happy place to be. It's something that I noticed a lot. Cincinnati's a very walkabout kind of city. Yes. A, lot, a lot of people out walking, a lot of pedestrian traffic. A lot of bicycles. A lot of bicycles and the little lime battery scooters. Yes. Which sometimes were a little scary, zipping through, <laughs> zipping through the crowd. There's one of the Reds mascot guys with the baseball head sitting on a bench on oh. the north side of the, <laughs> of Finley, the Finley Market. market. I was maybe a little too fascinated with him. I got a couple of pictures, different <laughs> angles of him. 
but we we got a few shots from inside the uh, the Finley Market. Um, then yeah, the the OTR, the Over the Rhine neighborhood, really cool kind of artist area. Uh, a lot of interesting and shops. Isn't this an area that they are re? doing it, a, a it lot of a lot of, of buildings being down. renovated yeah a lot of buildings being renovated but they're keeping the original flavor of the building they're yes not putting, putting new fronts and they're on. putting apartments up above these stores we saw quite a few retired couples that live there now that are in it, that area yeah i was fascinated by the incredible selection of murals around town it seems All like over. every wall that <laughs> every flat surface <laughs> there's somebody has put and, and i mean Really and it was a, cool. it's a group that does it, and it's a not-for-profit group, they said, that comes around. And, and they do all of them? And that's what they said. Wow. And they talk to people, and it's scenes Cincinnati-related. There's always some tie. There's a tie to, to Cincinnati. Cincinnati. It's not just a picture of anything. Because uh, the, one, the, the one that we saw that was the big, big, big Cincinnati was the Kenner one. That one was neat, that had all the Kenner toys on it. Right. But they're just There should be a WKRP mural. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. Wonder who we need to see for that. We got to talk to Jerry Springer. I think that might. Be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the murals were neat. We had had fun uh, checking those out. Now, something we did do that first night, and I am so glad we did. Uh, and thanks to Roy Penny, he told us get down there and see the fountain at night, we and did that's when we went that. down. That's how we ended our evening. That's we ended it with the fountain, and it has a whole light show going on in the water. Uh, after dark, so you got to go down and check it out. If you see it during the day, it's a much different experience at night and uh, very cool. We got a couple of nighttime shots, and I'm going to post a video of that. So that was, uh, and then we passed out and uh, <laughs> slept slept like logs because man, we were tired. So yes. the next day was our we started the day off with the married with microphones interview. Oh, that's right. That's at right. Seven in the morning. Yes, and on WGRR they right? called us one hundred three point five WGRR Cincinnati. So this was our big promo PR day. We that's started out on married, the radio. <laughs> married uh, husband and wife couple, Chris and Janine, and, and so they've I... been doing this for years. This... A lot of fun, and really, uh, it was fun to talk to them, mm -hmm. and we got. To promote the show, yeah, we did that, and then we slept then we a went back more. to bed. <laughs> <laughs> we had the alarm set to just get up and and do the show, and then boom, we're back out. So we get a couple more hours sleep. We got a few more winks in before we met with Bob Girding, and who is Bob? Bob is the man who shot the opening, all of the iconic opening of WKRP, the highway, the little Volkswagen the, bugs, the Volkswagen bugs coming under the underpass. He's the guy that shot every exterior in Cincinnati throughout the entire show he shot we found out a lot of stuff that uh never made it on the show but they were calling him they started calling him phone a shot yeah he met us at the hotel yeah he met us at the hotel, and we, so, we met in the lobby to interview him yeah so we, so we were on the second floor but the new the new hotel lobby of the Flynn building that's where we were sitting occasionally you kind of hear a uh, television in the background and something that bob mentioned to us as we were sitting down but he was going to reference later in his interview on his, and we believe it's his 80th, he just said it once, but he doesn't really like to focus on birthdays. And it was several years ago, he said. He said so. it was several years ago, but I think it was his 80th birthday. They declared Bob Girding Day on his birthday, April 16th. It was a decree by the city of Cincinnati, and that was the surprise for him on his 80th birthday. So he's going to mention that, and that's what he's talking about in the interview. He'll say, I got the decree. And it's because that is now forever, by law, 
April 16th in Cincinnati is Bob Girding Day. And this guy, he's amazing. He's into he, everything. He's busy, busy, busy. He, there's no way I would have guessed him being over 80. No. And the company that he started right before he got the WKRP gig is now huge. He's got 65 employees and he's got them working all over the world. Uh, so just an amazing guy, an amazing story. And we were so glad that he gave us a few minutes to talk yes, to him. Yes. And so... Here's his interview. Well, Bob, if you could introduce yourself and uh, <laughs> hey, <I need> to... <laughs> tell, well, no, no, I'm, I'm getting good, good sound from just. <laughs> I've got to, had it run a little bit here, um, but just tell us uh, <laughs> what you were doing back in 1977, 78, and how you got connected with WKRP. Yes, uh, let's see, 70. I guess it was 78. Was it? Okay, I think that's when. It... Fall of 78 is when it premiered. Okay, so it was early in '78. Okay, because they had a the the pilot was shot in March. That's mm-hmm. when they shot it. Okay, there in Studio City or okay. at KTLA. <laughs> All right. So it, early early '78 then. Yeah, they they contacted me. It was kind of it was kind of a neat day because uh, it was. I remembered we had an office up in uh, uh, Walnut Hills. If you're familiar with the area, or not, but. Um, it was just a, it was a big old home, and it was really beautiful. I had about four people working for me that time, and the name of the company was just Girding Productions, and we were just shooting a lot of commercial stuff for, for uh, the department stores, Reichs and, and Lazarus and uh, all the different Elderbeermen. Mm-hmm. Some of those have gone. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah a lot of those are <laughs> and, uh, and, and others. And then we were also doing a lot of still photography for... Um, Cincinnati Ballet Company, and I worked for Playboy Magazine for a while and shot all the worked on stuff for them, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was fun. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, it, was, it was funny because it was a day that it was like one of the first beautiful warm days of spring. And this is an old building, and, and it's on a city, you know, on a street that was above all these old, 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 old homes, beautiful homes. And we had just had our offices in there, and we had we had about three rooms or something, three or four rooms there. And when they called, uh, I had the windows open, and next door to me was a big white building, and they had just uh, a mile of of uh, flowers. You know, the uh, tulips were all out. Oh and yeah, all, and it was just gorgeous. And it was past five o'clock in the afternoon, and I. Uh, phone rang, and I was—I thought, well, you know, I was sitting there, and I thought, you know, I'm going to sit here and just enjoy the air coming in. It was the first day of warm day of, the, of spring, and uh, so I uh, kind of sat there, and, and this phone call came in, and they said, uh, yes, who I was, you know, said, you're, you're, you are Bob I said, yeah, yeah, and they said, um, you know, we're we're WKRP, or not, no, they didn't say it that way. MTM. MTM, okay. I thought they said MGM. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, MGM, what would they want with me? And then (laughs) they started talking about whether we know you shoot in the area, you're well recommended, and and we'd like to have you work on a series. I'm still sitting there thinking, MGM. What's MGM? What's MGM? (laughs) You know. And then finally, it lit up, you know, MTM, Mary Tyler Moore Productions, okay, you know. And then so they asked me, they said, would you, would you like to do this? And I, 
when am I going to say no? Really? <laughs> Turn them down. Oh, Do you have to I ask? To and I said, how'd you get my name? And they said, oh, we called around, and, and they, everybody kept saying, you're the guy that is there in Cincinnati, should do it. I said, well, Good. that's awfully nice of everybody. So that's where it kind of started, you know, the first thing. Uh, and then they continued by, you know, going over what they were going to be doing, and, and they said they're going to bring in somebody, which was uh, Rod Daniels. Daniel, yeah, Rod Daniel, maybe. Rod Daniel. He was one of the directors, yeah. Yeah, Rod Daniel yeah. came in. It was Mac Tash. Tash, Tash. Max, Max, Max Tash. Tash. Max Tash. We just spoke with Max yeah. uh, just about a month ago. He, he uh, kind of took over after uh, uh, Daniels, or he was still there, but I think they sent him in. Uh, and so they talked about coming in and shooting the opening scenes. So we went around Cincinnati, took more around Cincinnati, and we found a building here, and we shot from the... From the yeah, I was curious about that. Did they tell you what they wanted, or did they let you pick certain buildings and sites? Uh, they asked. Well, they kind of they kind of threw that at me to a certain extent. They asked me where you know this kind of area. This what's the areas like? And I told them, and we went around and said, "You get shots of this and this, this certain things." And uh, so we walked around, and they were taking. You know, I can remember being down on the street here, and they're they're up on the pole. I had pictures of this up on one of the poles where there were signed no parking, oh. and they're up there unscrewing the no parking sign so we can shoot the, the building oh, here. Get that out of the way. <laughs> here at the it was called the Enquire building. That's right. Uh-huh. Right. And so we shot right from across the street to to here and got that shot, and then we shot on Fountain Square with the the, the bird as you see in the beginning flies yeah. around. I followed mm-hmm. the bird and everything like that. That was a cool shot. Yeah, and so and we shot in a couple of different areas to get different looks that they wanted, you know. And I did. I actually, actually, at that time, I was uh, my company was probably four people at the most, yeah. three to four, yeah. uh, pretty much me, you know, doing everything. <laughs> so I just went with him, and we went up to Mount Adams, which is a nice area here, and other areas to get the looks of the city from different angles and everything else. The interesting thing about this was, is they left and they said, we need a nice shot of Cincinnati. Well, in 1978, there was no Cincinnati. When I say there was no Cincinnati, it wasn't lit up. Mm-hmm. It was during the crisis of, of you know, uh, Ener- energy, energy crisis. crisis. Energy, right. crisis yeah. energy crisis. So it was like, oh my gosh, we want, they want to get a shot from Kentucky over here to see all the, the city all lit up. Glorious, beautiful lighting, you know. And so it's like, okay, now let's see. I got to do this, so, you know. Get it, figure out how to get this thing done. So I called the mayor, which happened to be Jerry Springer. Yeah, yeah we knew that for yeah. a year. Jerry was the mayor. Then, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And I called Jerry, and I knew Jerry because I did his campaign, his campaign to be mayor. So I called him. I said, "How could I get the city to light up?" And I said, "Because we got to shoot a shot, some shots over here." For down, of downtown, so we can get. Wow, speaking of light up. Yeah, so we can get, uh, you know, uh, some evening shots of the city. And the skyline. Gorgeous. You know, mm-hmm. So he says, I'll take care of it. He said, What day are you going to do it? And I said, Well, we wanted to shoot it. And I gave him the date, whatever it was. And uh, he's okay. And uh, called me back and he says, I got it all worked out. Just go over where you need to be. And at nine o'clock, the city's going to light up. Wow! And so I went over onto wow. the onto the, the um, uh, 
by the river, but up, up on the wall, and uh, set my cameras up and everything. I got my camera and everything, got ready to shoot it and everything. And then, of course, I look over here and it's like black. You, know, <laughs> you, you couldn't see anything. It just was, there was nothing there. You know, there wasn't a light on. And at nine o'clock, it just, how and the whole cool. city lit up. Wow. We called everybody, all the managers of all the buildings in downtown, and asked them, told him he wanted to get the them lights. to turn on the lights of Cincinnati. Now the opening has a whole new meaning to me. <laughs> oh, that's and neat. it was beautiful. That is and awesome. I stood there the first bit, you know, as soon as it came up, I just stood there with my mouth just kind of like, oh, my <clears throat> God, look at that. How it's long did it stay lit? Uh, they kept it lit for, I, I think, to 11 but it was just birthday. Plenty of time. It was birthday. Oh, I mean, it wasn't just wow. some lights on it, but everybody at everybody's office, he had everybody in all the <laughs> offices in every building in downtown turn their lights on that night. And so that was the first light up Cincinnati. And after that, they did they started doing light up Cincinnati. They thought that's looked so great. So they started doing light up Cincinnati and they were they would actually um, you know do it for everybody to see oh, and everything like that. So that was kind of a neat thing to do. You know, so, but it was pretty awesome. So Jerry Springer helped with the open. That's, oh, that yeah. is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. That is a great story. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very curious. We are sitting in, in the Flynn building right That's now. That's right. In the Flynn building. <laughs> yeah. Was this the only building they looked at as being because every episode we open on that zoom up, up to, to the, the top, window up yeah. to the window right was this the only building they looked at or were there others they considered or no they pretty much it was pretty much here and there was a there was one of the programs where Les Nesman climbed out onto the on the ledge, yes. on the ledge. yes and there are no ledges uh, on yeah. this building <laughs> yeah and uh you know we did shoot him in certain ways so you could see him opening the window and trying to go out on the ledge and stuff like that <laughs> You know, and jump, <laughs> or try to you know think of jumping anyway. But um, or quote Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was it was neat. You know, and and uh, they came in town. If the interesting thing after that was is that they they would call me and they said, "Here's we're going to call you and read the script to you, and and we'd like you to send us some what you think it should look like." They didn't come back in after that opening. Okay. And so I'd get a script, and they and they ended up calling it. They were coming up with these names. Phone is shot. Phone is shot. Bob's phone is shot. Bob's phone is shot. So they would call and say, "Here's the script," and they'd read some of the lines that we need. You know, this is what's going to where somebody's, you know, doing this and something's happening and right. whatever it is, a chase scene or whatever it was, uh, and him getting out on the ledge and all this sort of stuff. And so what happened was, is they would call me and tell me this. I'd go out and shoot it, and I'd send the stuff to them right away. Uh-huh. And they said, it's perfect. This is exactly what we need. So there was a, uh, an episode where they did do a chase, no, not really a chase scene, but driving quickly in downtown Cincinnati. Yes, I, I shot that. Did you have the, somebody? Yeah, I shot that from the building cha- over oh, there. Oh, you had you somebody driving be- a car. Yeah, we kind of blew out all the tires in that car that day. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, it was it was a scene chasing down through on Fifth Street down here. Yeah, that was episode uh, Hold Up. It was the Hold Up episode. Yeah, and you know yeah. that scene got cut for syndication. Did it really? They cut it out for the syndication episodes. It didn't make it, but uh, yeah, we got a we got a copy of a bootleg it, bootleg copy with it in there, with yeah. the scene still in there. <laughs> 
Well, it was off the top of a building over here. And I don't know if I, I guess that building's still there. Well, it had that big church, the church, but I guess the yeah. church is gone and the Procter & Gamble offices are there. Yeah, now. yeah. But I know we shot it there, and, and it was uh, it was interesting to shoot. The only problem with it on the top of that building, and I don't normally have this problem, but it had no, the building was flat on the top and had just a like a ledge on it, maybe about eight inches or something like mm-hmm. that, no more. And, of course, you want to get over by the edge and shoot down on this these cars and, you know, the chase scene. Sure. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I walk over to the edge of the Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't normally have problems, but this was like, you know, somebody just... Needed a bigger ledge. Needed a bigger ledge. Yeah, it really, it really did bother me a little bit to get that shot. I'm curious about now, Jennifer's residence is the edge, Edgecliff, Edgecliff residence. Edgecliff, yeah. Was that your selection as well, or how, yeah, how everything was. They, they didn't come back. They never came back. No, just uh, I th- they did come back for. I think we shot one up in Kings Island in the parking lot, some scene up that way. Oh, okay. Uh, and I think part of it, one of them was. Uh, uh, another thing, I think we shot back here, if I remember, gosh, it's a long time ago. But I think we did some of the shooting of, of Turkeys Don't Fly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Turkeys Away one? <laughs> oh, my God, they're falling from the sky. <laughs> well, and that one was supposed to be set at a shopping mall. Yes. We wound up in the final cut and never saw the parking lot or anything. Yeah. It was just less in front yeah. of the yeah, door. Pretty, pretty pretty store but they had you shoot some things, yeah. shoot some footage for that also? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we could get it every week. I mean, it was just it's constant calling each week, and they said, "Okay, we need this," you know. And mainly, they just read the script. You know, they didn't they didn't even really direct me. They said, "We need we need a house that would look the you know kind of this way." I said, "Okay," you know. And I'd go up and look in the areas, and I think, "Well, this is perfect. This house looks. This is what I'd feel it would be." So I'd shoot it and I'd send it to them and say, "You know, did that work?" They said, "Oh." It was perfect, exactly what <laughs> yeah, we wanted. What a compliment <laughs> to leave that up to your judgment. Yeah. That's great. Well, you know, they had a, you know, they're out in LA to travel back and forth weekly right. to get shots was kind of, oh, yeah. kind of crazy. Yeah. And, it, and it just worked out, you know, it all worked out. Do you remember the building that was Johnny's apartment? Where was that? Boy. It was above a, a record store, a record and, a store bar. and a bar. And it's near the UC campus, we think. No, I don't, don't recall that one. I don't recall that one. We had to get guy. older now. I started to lose all that. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a guy who's been helping us out, and it really it seemed like in the first season there were a lot more exteriors and mm-hmm. shots around the city. They didn't seem to do so many then, starting in the second yeah, season. Well, and toward the yeah, toward the other seasons later, they, they didn't. It was much but slowed down. Yeah, they, but you know, it was it was it was actually a good thing for me because you know. I asked, one of the things I asked was, I said, you know, will I get a credit? You know, I'm young, <laughs> I'm young, you know. Will I get a credit on, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get a credit. No. They said, why? I said, why can't I get a credit? They said, that's pretty hard to get a credit on a show like this. I said, really? Okay. And then uh, it was like, think to myself, you know, a credit's not that important. You know, it's just that I'm shooting this show, and and it's and it's yeah. it's going to be a good show, and 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 you knew you were involved. You, and I knew you I was involved, it. and I thought, mm-hmm. well, you know, I don't need the credit now. I got what I do now. I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing a lot of other things because 
you know, my company now has changed and we've, we've just grown. And as I said, I got like 65 people. Uh, and a lot of them are, some of them work out in LA and some work different places, but they can do the same work online. And which is amazing, doing. yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious, what were you shooting back in 1978? Do you remember? Yeah, we, we were shooting with, you mean what, what format? What, what format, yeah. Yeah, we were shooting one inch tape. One inch. And we were okay. shooting on the Ampex one inch tape machine. Okay. Um, which was a big, heavy thing. I remember hauling one around on a shoulder strap. Yes, yes, uh, it was big. We had a, I bought a, a little truck, a uh, Ford truck, and we build it out on the inside. And my dad, <laughs> I said to him, I said, you know, these things are heavy. How do, they got handles on it. Yeah. You know, handles kind of ridiculous. You know, you, can, you can't handle that, <laughs> that kind of weight. <laughs> and so he built a kind of a, a thing that went across the bottom out of metal and then up the side. He was, you know, he was in manufacturing. So, so he, he built, built it so it went across the whole bottom, came up and had these big handles on it to grab it. Oh, so we great. could un plug it and take it out. But I mean, it was not, you know, it was really not portable. No, no. And the portable <laughs> machine we tried to get from Ampex, and that was a nightmare. It didn't work. It went crazy. Mm-hmm. We would, they'd bring it in, and, and we'd try to shoot with it, and it was just, it was susceptible to touching it. Well, I remember some of their field units. They'd all, say, it would take and go tapes all well, over the they'd place. They'd say you have like, to keep it level, a field um, unit. You have to keep it level. It's like, how do you do that when you're in the field? Well, it had, <laughs> it had some, they said CMOS. Uh, I, I don't know what, what technically that yeah, is. I mean, the, it's yeah, the, 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 uh, the chip chips in there. And, yeah. stuff like that. and it was probably early, so it probably just didn't work out very well. And, <laughs> the, and Ampex, I get on Ampex's case... Uh, they don't make machines anymore, but got on their case about it and said, you know, we're trying to shoot this stuff, and every time I use it, this, the tapes go crazy. And they said, well, we're going to send somebody in right away to, to, to fix it for you because it's a, it's a nice little machine. You know, it was. They just couldn't touch it. <laughs> yeah, I can't move it. <laughs> and, and he would, you know, come in and get it working, and thing. he said, now it should be working fine. You know, and I'd say, great, because this is a lot better than taking that big thing out. Yeah. He would go leave, go to the airport, and we'd take it, take it out, and sit there and start to work on, work with it a little bit. And the tapes would just go, <laughs> it was like, oh my God, they're going everywhere. You know, it would just tape, break tapes and fly the, the stuff would fly off the reels. And oh, we went man. around with them and went around, with them. and he, they, you know, he just, they couldn't get it to settle down. And then finally, they stopped even making them. They just, it just never worked. So we still ended up shooting with a larger machine. Yeah. Now I'm curious when you, when you a lot of the cuts, a lot of the things that we see in the show, mm-hmm. it would be a three second zoom or just a quick you know quick pan or something. How much footage would you be sending out when you'd send? And you're physically shipping a tape, right? That's how yeah. it, that's how it was sent. Yeah. yeah so inter- would you shoot internet a lot? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the cloud is seconds. But. Yeah. Uh, we would, I would shoot different angles and things like that and see what they wanted to use, you know, because you're there, you know, it's yeah, simply sure. to do, you know. Some of them work, some, I mean, some, you know, like, like, like when we did the opening with the bird and everything, like, it was just like, that's the shot, you know, so. Yeah, there's no way to recreate it, that, re- yeah. recreate it. Um, but, you know, as I said, they would just tell me, read it, and then I'd sit there and say, well, uh, he's got to be on a ledge, i got to find a building that's got a good ledge on it we can tighten in on, and. And down the floor that we can get a shot and whatever. So it all all worked yeah. out. Yeah. But, well, uh, 
Well, that's great. Now, we're curious, did, were you involved with the airplane show? when they? That's considered the one episode that they shot here. Yeah. When they had the biplane yeah. that Wes was in, were you involved with that? Oh, ship? yeah, that was at Kings Island. Oh, that's the Kings Island. Yeah, okay. we, they landed a bi-wing plane right, right, the at, biplane? at Kings Island. We had to empty the whole parking lot ah, okay. to actually land that thing there. <laughs> okay, so that's the final scene when he's bringing it in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. and and now on that sheet, Rod Daniel was the he was the yeah, they did director come, on that. They did come in for that one. That's the only time I think they came in was that for that one show. Only. So how long a how long a shoot was that? How long were you involved with that? Uh, we did it all in a day, you know. Oh, in a day, really? Yeah. yeah. Now the aerial shots. Um, I know that uh, I read a story in Michael Castle's book about WKRP. They had an interview with with Richard Sanders, mm-hmm. and he said that they were set up to have a stuntman in the biplane mm-hmm. for him, a, 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 yeah. a body double for yeah. him. But the guy didn't show, and then Richard Sanders wound up doing that. Do you recall what, what happened there? Was oh, it... Uh, I'm trying to remember back. I doubt they wanted him up in that plane, but he yeah. decided he was going to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he flew it. <laughs> no, 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 he didn't fly it. He didn't no. fly, but you can tell he's in it. Yeah. And yeah. Now, now you guys, in a, were you in a helicopter, or were you in an airplane, or how were you following them? When you were shooting it, uh, we used a helicopter on some some shots, not many, but yeah. did on that. Because um, yeah, there's some of those where there you're definitely yeah. aerial. You're out there. Yeah, you're yeah. over the river, and <laughs> yeah, and I was hanging out of this helicopter. <laughs> it wasn't like it is nowadays, you know, where it's mounted on the front of the helicopter and you sit inside with a remote control mm-hmm. yeah, a mm-hmm. and joysticks, use a camera and everything like that, or you use drones, which. Yeah. I do now too. I got two major films in town. They're coming in. One in town here and one in Cleveland. And we already bid on doing the drone work for that. Oh wow. I've done drone work on about well, about ten or twelve I guess twelve movie uh, feature movies. You wouldn't have it up today. No, not today. <laughs> no. No, it's windy. <laughs> you brought your Lonnie Anderson microphone with yeah. you. Your, yeah. your gift. Your gift Can on you the, tell that story? Yeah, tell I us about how, you, how you got that. And then also anybody else from the cast or crew that you stayed in contact with after. Were there any other? Yeah, so it's a it's a microphone kind of trophy looking. Right. And that's what it really is, a trophy. It's not really a microphone. Right, right. Uh, it was kind of heavy. a surprise because... Um, on one of my birthdays, do I have to say the birthday? No, no, you don't have to say. <laughs> I don't feel that old. Um, well, I guess it's you know, it gets you that way. Um, it was a surprise, and I think one of the fellows, my son, I also I go back on another step here. You cut all this out. You don't no, know what no, it no. What goes on? Uh, a friend of mine, who who was our sales guy, and myself a few years ago. About 15 years ago, really. Our business been we've been in business 41 years. And he's a magician <laughs> on the side. He likes to do magic. And so he asked me one day, he said, you know, would you be interested? Because he knows when I was really young, a kid, I had an interest in I said, well, that'd be fine. So anyway, we ended up getting uh, and doing magic once a month. Ronald, oh. Ronald McDonald house. Oh, in okay. that's wonderful. And we'd have all these kids and the families come in, and we'd do a whole show, an hour show, once a month. Uh, so we've done that all the way until COVID hit, and then they stopped putting anybody in. But yeah. we did for 15 years, we did the shows. Wow. So 
that was kind of fun and interesting. Yeah. And then we went out to, uh, I went out to the, saw Big Bang Theory. They got, I got some uh, PR tickets to go and get in there. And uh, I ended up doing some magic for the audience. Oh, did you? <laughs> in breaks, you know, in the breaks when they're moving, yeah. moving yeah. from set to set and stuff like that. Dave, who happens to be that, my sales guy, one of the sales guys, uh, and we're you know, close to each other all the time. We know each other so for a lot of years mm-hmm. and doing this magic, too. You know. uh, he decided that there were, there was a surprise party for me over at uh, the boathouse. And so I I didn't even know it. You know, I, I kind of put my birthday down. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, so... So we went over for lunch, and then all these people were in one section, and I didn't even, you know, in a room. We had a room with it. And, uh, and he called ahead and called to the city, and he had the proclamation done. Oh, and wow. he talked to somebody through, and I'm not sure if he talked to at WKRP, somebody there, and asked if he could get this. And he said, Belani would be delighted to sign it and send it to him. So I got that from her through that. Um, so that was kind of. Fun. So, have, have you had contact, or have you met cast members since the show? I'm, I mean, I know a few have visited here. Yeah. Um, um, well, Gary Sandy. Yeah, Gary mm-hmm. Sandy's yeah. come back, and I, Gary Sandy's done some he's, yeah, he shows did. at Playhouse. The, yeah, he's, uh, the he, Playhouse. Yeah, there. I would. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Uh, we went to one of the shows he did, and and it was it really was excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a best little whorehouse in Texas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was the he played Burt Reynolds' character. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and he did a great job on it. You oh, know? cool! It's kind of funny because you see him in the other, and he just Gary under that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I he, thought, wow, he did a nice job. He you know? before WKRP, he had a big background. He'd done a lot of soaps and a yeah. lot of dramatic work, yeah. and he'd done a lot of stage work, and yeah. and it was kind of really out of his wheelhouse to be doing the comedy right and we noticed early on we've been we're we're starting season four right now that we're doing and mm-hmm. we really dig into these episodes and we noticed early on he was the straight man yeah he never got any good lines in season two he started getting some great laugh lines he had some mm-hmm. good jokes and some good lines and i think he really kind of grew into the comedy because mm-hmm. he'd been so dramatic you yeah know, he'd done the, the drama but well i think he he's from this area and so yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've met him a couple times. Not, not really like, you know, I didn't call him. We go out together drinking or something. Of course, <laughs> I don't drink, so that's another problem. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I just run into him at times and just talk a little bit and yeah. stuff over at the restaurants or something like that, and sit down with him at the bar or something. Oh, that's great. Chat a little bit. But um, most of mine's been, you know, didn't get to know him all, but but yeah. did. Uh, it was kind of fun. It was yeah. fun to do. You know. Do you ever have any contact with Hugh Wilson? Ever talk to Hugh? Uh, I don't think I really ever did. Okay. Yeah. I think I just talked to Daniels. Yeah. At first, I was talking to Daniels, and then after that, I think they kind of, uh, as I say, Tash? Tish? Tash. 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 And we were calling him Tosh. <laughs> and when we, when we interviewed him, he, he, said, he uh, said, I'd like to correct something. I've been yeah. listening to your Tash. show. You're saying my name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think he kind of uh, took over. He he you know, was a, asked him to. He started out his first year. He said they gave him a title that was not a, a, a DGA title. It was uh, oh. a 
production assistant or something like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even that. It wasn't, it wasn't one that was a listed contracted yeah. title. Right. But then in his second, he became an associate producer. Yeah. And then he was coordinating producer in the fourth yeah, season. So they so, were handling stuff to him. Yeah. To but then he also he started writing, and then he started directing. Mm -hmm. after, after KRP, he did a lot of directing, and <clears throat> yeah. he directed a lot of the new WKRP. Mm -hmm. Did you have any, any involvement with the new WKRP? It was about 10 years later. No. Didn't do no, anything didn't with that. Do anything with Did that. they use it? I have. I really I haven't remember. watched those. Yeah. I didn't know if they used any of your footage in that one. No, I don't. In fact, I don't know much about it. Yeah, yeah. It was when it was a first-run syndication. It yeah. wasn't a network show. Right. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's. I guess that's why I didn't see it or anything. Like yeah. That. Well, any any other stories, information, anything we <laughs> you'd love to share with us about KRP or? Oh, I'm trying to think. It's what else that would be. Um. It was it was it was a good time in my life, you know, because it was it was really it was neat, you know. All of a sudden, it was it was neat to be known for doing these. And was that it and was kind did, of it was common knowledge around town. Yes. You're the guy that was shooting oh, yeah. WKRP. So. Yeah, yeah. And it was it yeah it really it it it's kind of like a good jump starter, you know, when you're doing stuff and then because you're doing commercials and stuff like that. And nobody knows who's doing half of those. Oh, yeah. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. and, um, You've been there. I've, yeah. I was that guy for a long time. I know he knows who's making those. <laughs> and so when this kind of came up, it was like, wow. And, of course, the city, what made it neat is the city really dove into it and uh, helped. I mean, so if we said we're going to shoot here, it would be like there'd be police on both ends of the street block, block. I didn't know if they asked for anything. Oh, that's great. And Jerry was just excellent at helping. I mean, he was just, you know, just constantly... We're going to be shooting down this area. So, okay, I'll get you some police and we'll block that road off. <laughs> okay, really? really? <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked about in the Turkey's Away episode, which was the seventh episode of the series, so yeah. it's still early, early on. They call the mayor, or they get a call from the mayor. Yeah. And, and we looked it up, and it was Jerry Springer that would have been calling yeah. for that, that episode. But then, <laughs> but then we hated it. Jerry then, you know, rotated out because it was a new mayor every year yeah. at that time. They, they were doing it. The, yeah, he, you know, Jerry's a good guy and everything. I've known, known him for a long time, and, and my wife, I think, knew him and the family even more than I did at the time. But, you know, as I said, I did his, his uh, commercials for, yeah, for his campaign. For, for his campaign. Uh -huh. And so we got to know each other, and we, as they say, you got to work with and stuff like that. Um, so when I called him, I mean, he was just, oh, yeah, we'll do that for you. <laughs> Wait a minute, just call me. You know, I'll, I'll get this done. I'll get this done. I'll get this done. Okay. That's You're right. Fine. So it was, made it easy. Yeah. Hey, this is Al with a quick aside. Donna asked me to name my favorite thing about the trip, although the entire week was great. My high point has to be Bob's Light Up Cincinnati story. Light Up Cincinnati became an annual photo contest throughout the 1980s. On one night each spring, the entire skyline would be illuminated and photographers would compete to see who could take the best picture. Hearing this story, that Light Up Cincinnati originated with Bob Girding and Jerry Springer trying to get the best shot of the nighttime city for the open to WKRP... It was truly my favorite thing about the whole week. Now, one of the things Bob mentioned in there was a microphone that he had with him. That was also given to him on that birthday when he got his decree, and it was signed by... Lonnie Anderson. Yes. Yes, and it but was hand he, signed. he talks about it. In yes, the... but, but he, he mentions it 
but doesn't explain what it oh, is. Oh, okay. He says that microphone. And what it is is this little gold, it's a it's a trophy-looking thing. Yeah, that you'd put on your desk or something, yeah. like a paperweight. But, it, but or... it looks like an old-fashioned grill microphone like you'd expect to see in front of a newscaster in the 50s. And it is hand-signed on the base and by endorsed. Lonnie. endorsed. And, and endorsed by Lonnie Anderson. And again, there are photos of that on our website. Yeah, we'll have those or on the on Facebook, our Facebook page. page. So Bob was fun, but... Then we had lined up uh, after a little more Skyline Chili. Uh, yeah, we went to Skyline Chili again <laughs> because I didn't get enough the we first time. We liked the Skyline Chili. But we were set up to head out on a tour with the dean of WKRP Media in Cincinnati. This guy has been writing about and reporting on WKRP more years than anyone in the in the community. Uh, he started right after the show went off the air, but he was there through all of this indication, through getting it picked up on Neck at Night, through getting it on MeTV. And his name is John Keyswetter. And John picked up on our press release when we said we first said that we were going to be coming to Cincinnati. And he was so happy to help us out, get us in touch with people. And he said, I'll take you around. He took us on a wonderful tour. He drove us all over town looking for these sites that we wanted to, to see, um, that were in that had been some exteriors, of the exteriors on the show, shots. and then the and then some of the spots that appeared in the open. Um, but also, and I want to throw in a, a big thank you here to oh, a listener who has been with us since the beginning, Chesie De Benedetto. Chesie is from Cincinnati. And he was a, out of town while we were he, in town. He was gone with was his daughter. It was planned. spring break. And yeah, so he couldn't be with us. But Chesie in the first season gave us addresses for these exteriors. He did the research. He found that stuff. So I kind of had that tucked away and was kind of armed with we that. We were using that to be To find like Johnny's apartment. Johnny's apartment was because of the information we had from, from Chesie, but we yes. found Johnny's apartment. And all of these photos will be on the Facebook yes. page. <laughs> and of course, Johnny's apartment is above a record store. And a hookah den. And a hookah lounge, <laughs> which wasn't there when Johnny was. But now, And they said, though, that probably at that time, and somebody posted this, uh, the, we, we did put pictures up on the Facebook page, uh, and somebody said that at the time of the show, there was a comic book shop oh, in that space. Oh, I can space. see that. The record store's been there since, I believe, 98, and the guy that we talked to in there had worked in that record store for 15 years, and he said this is the first time he's ever heard that it was the exterior of Johnny's Shot. apartment. Oh, but he thought that was pretty cool. He did. He thought that was cool. Well, we also, he took us to Edgecliff, where we saw the buildings where Jennifer's apartment the The Edgecliff residences. Oh. Edgecliff was originally a dormitory for Edgecliff College. Mm -hmm. When Edgecliff College went out of business, the dormitory was then converted into these luxury apartments. And uh, Bob Girding, again, decided that that would be a great spot for Jennifer to live. So that's what he submitted to them as her apartment. And we got some great shots of it, and it was kind of cool. And, you know, I Eden, uh, Eden, Park Eden Park and is Mount, right around there. Mount Adams. And Mount Adams, which was 
has been referred to in the series. In the show several times. Yeah. And these are some really nice neighborhoods. They're up on the hill. Great Beautiful views down views on the of river. Cincinnati yeah. from there. And you know what was a weird effect for me? Because we've been so involved in the show, and the show is so grounded in Cincinnati, it's hard to sometimes go, now hold it, Jennifer really didn't live in that building. <laughs> Jennifer was in a set in you right, know, Mary right. Tyler Moore Jennifer Studios in Los Angeles. Person. She's not a real person. But, and, well, and like talking about the Flem building and the station being on the 14th floor and all that, it, it's just so much fun to think about it. But nobody was ever really in that building. Actually, before we left this morning, we were talking to a couple of guys that worked in the they're in the valet valet stand. The valet stand of the apartments, or the apartments, the hotel where we stayed. And one of them said, you know, the radio station didn't really exist. And no, it wasn't really <laughs> up here. He said, you'd be amazed at how many people he has to say that to. Yeah, that it's really not They're up there. They're there to really see <laughs> that, that floor because they think that's where it was. But yeah, it did not really exist. After our tour with Keys, which, man, it, it, he took us around everywhere. Cincinnati Playhouse in the park. We went by we there. We went by there. Which is up in the Mount Adams neighborhood there. And then this has nothing to do with WKRP, but he, he loves this museum and he wanted us to see it. Yes. It used to be the Union Terminal, but now it is the Cincinnati Museum Center, which is an awesome building. Um, the it, outside was the inspiration for the Hall of Justice, Justice League, League for the uh -huh. Super Friends. The, the and those pictures will also be on the Facebook page. Yeah, and it would, we did post some of those. Uh, but yeah, the exterior of that was DC Comics inspiration, and the only building that they used for inspiration for the Hall of Justice League. And uh, it really is, if you know that comic at all, or if you've ever seen the, the series, you'll see it and recognize it immediately. We went inside the building, and it is just as amazing as the outside. The <sighs> murals in there and they restored a lot of This was the last of the Art Deco train stations in the 30s. It was built in 1931 is the cornerstone and I think they said the first service was in 33. Um, but this was kind of the last of that era. Suddenly the automobile was displacing mm -hmm. rail travel and the giant really extravagant train stations like this one and Union Station in Chicago and you know some of the others just went out of out of use. And they've kept some of the original things, like there are a couple of original phone booths in there the that, that bathrooms, were there. The with the seating areas yes. outside of the bathroom and yeah, the really lush. It was really plush. It, it was. Because this is pre air travel, so this was you know, this was premier travel. This was this was the luxury way to go across the country. Well John gave us just a, a great tour of the city and these places and so then we were getting hungry. <laughs> so we went to the Taft Brewing. Well, it's and Taft, that's, I think they call it the Taft there. Brewing Company. And Taft it's, Brewing Company. Okay. And it's in an old church, and they have a restaurant there. It's on, at a, on the corner. And it's just cool. Um, we ordered food. I think I was the only one having a beer. I don't think John had a beer, did he? I don't know. And I don't like beer. So, but I... we, so we got a little dinner, and then we told Keys, we got to interview you. We want to talk, because he has talked to... And he was ready. He, he was, he was. ready. He brought a satchel that I could barely lift, full of papers and articles and All the research. research he's done. 
all of the on WKRP? the material that had been sent out by MTM and by the syndication houses to sell WKRP. He had all of that information and let us take a look at all of this stuff. I mean, it's just uh, uh, an amazing treasure trove there in that satchel. But I'd say we probably started the interview around three forty-five, and it was almost six o'clock before he. <laughs> Before we were telling him goodbye, because we were just having such a great time talking with him. And it was kind of a situation where he has been writing for so long about the show and has met the the principals multiple times. Yes. That one story would lead to another story would lead to another story it would remind him of. So we've got our interview with John Keyswetter, although you may hear me refer to him as Keys because that is his nickname and that's how he refers to himself. And we are recording this in one of the side rooms at the Taft Brewing Company. So you're going to be hearing background noises. There's some noises, some music. You're going to hear some guys yell because, they, hey, the beer's good. <laughs> so here's Keys. All right, well, we're recording. So, we yeah, we're going. Okay. Um, well, if you could go ahead and in- introduce yourself and tell us how you were affiliated with WKRP. Sure. My name's John Keyswetter. I was a TV critic TV columnist for the Cincinnati Enquirer starting in 1985 and uh, now write for WVXU, the Cincinnati Public Radio Station, still covering TV media here in Cincinnati for like 35 years. I've probably been the journalist who's written most about WKRP in Cincinnati. It, it went off the air three years before I took over the TV beat, but I wrote extensively about KRP and its stars, producers, and folks uh, as they came to town, as they uh, as I would run into them on the press tour in Los Angeles, and it the show has, still continues, as you know, to be hugely popular in Cincinnati, and uh, so I would anytime I could find an angle or run into somebody, I'd write about it. <laughs> now, who was the first that you met? Were, were Gary and uh, Gordon Jump the first members of the cast you met? I would guess um, it was probably Howard Hessman and Lonnie Anderson uh, in 86, 87 would have been the time that she had done Easy Street with Jack Elam on NBC. And Howard Hessman did uh, Head of the Class on ABC. And then shortly after that came Frank's Place with uh, Tim Reed and Hugh Wilson um, in, in, the, in 1988 was... Cincinnati's 200th anniversary, the bicentennial. So uh, Gordon Jump came in for that, and being that he's from Dayton, so I, I would had interviewed him when, whenever he, I could catch him in town, as well as when I'd be in LA. So, so what were your impressions of Gordon Jump? He was very he was very proud of the show, very uh, sincere about it. Had great memories about it. You know, he started in promotion at W. It was then called WLWD, uh, the uh, station in Dayton, Ohio, which was a sister to WLWT here in Cincinnati. And um, I remember one of the things he told me that he was most proud of was was the Who episode. Yeah. And in the Who episode, he, um, he told me that it was quite controversial. There was even a question that the Cincinnati Phil was not going to run it. Although they screened it and decided to run it, there was questions with the week before. With, there, were, yeah. there was questions with the, some of the affiliates, but also with the network on whether a comedy show could 
could find humor in a tragedy that, that killed a, right. uh, where 11 people died at a stand, crushed trying to get into the con- uh, concert. And he told me that when he did this, that the writers struggled with what to say in the closing scene. And they literally went to him and said, you know, you're from the Ohio Valley, you know, and, and allowed him in a dress rehearsal to ad lib something, which which they all loved, and they scripted what he said about, we're great people here, we're going to do something. And he said that was the only time he knew that he was allowed to ad lib. But he was very proud of, of, of the coda of the... Of the ending that he was able to provide to that episode. And that was a great ending to a great episode. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the controversy swirling around that? Were you privy to any of that? or? Uh, actually, uh, one of the things I did as, as uh, Enquire TV critic, I copied all the clips. And I have with me here somewhere the, the clip that says that, that at that point the CBS affiliate was WCPO because we've had a switch here. And they had reviewed the episode, and they and they changed their mind, and they were going to run it after reviewing, after watching a preview of it. So yeah, I I, I knew of the controversy, and I knew that um, that there was a question that it wasn't going to run here. But this is Cincinnati; things like that happen. I mean, there were episodes of the Springer Show that that his old station wouldn't run either. Oh so, really? Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> and and uh, I think the same station had a controversy in the '60s on whether. Barbara Eden's navel could be oh, shown yeah, on, that was a, on I Dream a Genie. That, so, was a, that was a national crisis right yes, there, Barbara exactly. Eden's navel. So, we, you know, there's a, there's a conservative nature to Cincinnati that, uh, um, that, that, that runs deep here. So, Yeah, yeah, so you got to be careful. But, uh, yeah, we, we actually saw uh, one of the stories that we read about that was the final scene there where they pan over to the window. Right. Right. was supposed to dissolve into the candlelight vigil. But CPO said, huh, we're not giving you that footage because they were worried what they were going to oh, do okay, with it. Okay. And by the time they'd approved it, it was too late to get it in there. So, so who else uh, Who else do you recall having? You, you said you well, met I've, Howard, I've, Howard and Lonnie. Howard, Howard Hessman, who just recently passed away. What are your impressions of Howard? Is it fair to say he probably wasn't much different than, than Dr. Johnny Fever? <laughs> I think a lot of Johnny was Howard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> One of the fun things I would do with, with the, when I would run into cast members, because it wasn't, you know, back-to-back. Back, it was years apart. I'd, I'd ask them what the characters would be doing today. Oh. So, like, when I interviewed Gary Sandy in, in 2007, I asked him the question. When I interviewed Bill Dial in, in 1999, when it moved on to... Um, um, Nick at, what it was on Nick at night. It was on Nick at night, yeah. In prime yeah. time. Um, so each time I'd ask him, and in 87, I guess I asked, uh, I, I asked Hugh Wilson and Tim Reed when, when uh, Frank's Place was coming on. And it, uh, for, for example, they said Andy Travis, that he'd be trying to put together his own conglomerate to, to purchase a group of radio stations. <laughs> and that uh, Jennifer Marlowe would be uh, have retired to some Island that one of her wealthy friends would have passed away, and she'd be worth about twenty million dollars, kind of like uh, J- Jackie Onassis. Yeah. Um, G- Gary Sandy told me in two thousand and seven that Jennifer Marlowe would be. I don't know what she'd be doing, but she'd be very, very rich. <laughs> yeah, we kind of get the sense she already was pretty rich, even yeah, when the show yeah. was on. Jennifer was doing pretty well. So, so it was it was fun. 
and, and another question I'd ask periodically would was was would there ever be a KRP reunion? You know, in talking to Hugh Wilson and Tim Reed when they did Frank's Place, or you know, it it it, it tragically ended after the fourth season. It was canceled in the spring. You know, when, right. the, when the cancellations come out in May, and then it stayed on the air. And that fall. It was winning its time slot. Yeah. It with was, reruns. It, with reruns, with, it was winning. With yeah, reruns. Yeah. And beating Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. And everybody then said, you know, at that point, I said, oh, crap. At, but by that point, Howard Hessman had another deal going on. Uh, uh, Lonnie already had. Lonnie had another deal. Yeah. And, and, and they couldn't put back Humpty Dumpty. I mean, it was yeah. it, it already scattered into different pieces. And uh, it, it, was, it was a real shame. CBS yeah. didn't know what they had. And they... Projected around all over the schedule, probably more than any show in the history of TV to, to be least a, a dozen times yeah. in four years. Yeah, yeah. So it, um, you mentioned talking to Bill Dial, right? What's your impression of Bill Dial? Bill Dial was very helpful. I mean, he he knew that uh, he, he he knew that I, I was an important voice to to, to here in Cincinnati, uh, in a sense that he could reach the the Cincinnati. Uh, Fans of the show here in the city, and and he was always very helpful. Uh, whatever I call him, and, and, and we talk about things, he he really liked the show. I think he felt that that next to Hugh Wilson, he was kind of the heart and soul, the guy that that, that had an eye and a finger on every script. And he uh, was he was also Bucky, wasn't Bucky? He was Dornster? Bucky Dornster, Dornster, but unfortunately, he and Hugh had a blow up in the second season. Okay, had a big fight. That ended in, and we talked to Janet Mishad Wells, who was Tom Wells' widow. The, he was the music director, and right. also good friends with Hugh Wilson. And she said it wound up. There was a whiskey glass whipped at uh, Hugh's head by Ooh. Bill, and Hugh said, "What could I? What could I do? I fired him. I had to fire him." But uh, and then and then when Bill was the really the driving force behind the new W Hugh did come back and help out. He was back, and uh, he looked over the pilot script, and he looked over the first six scripts of the series, and gave some notes. But that was about it. Um, well, I, uh, yeah, I guess that's when I first. Met it. I, I know you don't talk much about that other show. Yeah, that uh, that, that new one. Yeah, but, but I, I I was I wrote an awful lot about that because I always had been raising the question: Would there be a, a, a reunion? And it turned out there was going to be this attempt at the sequel when I first saw it in the trades. And I was looking back through, you know, the, the Bill Allen, Steve Allen's son, was the head of MTM at the time. I had, was in my files, I've got correspondence with him, got the correspondence with an, another executive there. Uh, Bill Dial was eager to, to get uh, word out that this show was coming. Uh, at that point, because, because the Cincinnati Inquirer is a Gannett paper, I, when I was at press tour, I actually went over to to, to the to the MTM studios and saw, did a studio tour, wrote a story about it, and because we're a Gannett paper, it actually part of it I think ended up in USA Today. Oh wow! Because great. they're a sister publication. And so I did a story from what it looked like, and then again when the, when the show came on in, in September of '91. But it gave me a chance again to to, to interview um, Gordon Jump. Uh, 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 Les Nesman would come through here occasionally, as he did in many radio markets. Uh, they they near particularly in the fall, he'd do a stunt with a radio station. But instead of dropping turkeys, they drop 
like numbered ping pong balls that people might win a prize yeah, or yeah. or something that uh, that wasn't too heavy and not too light that they could drop from a helicopter. <laughs> They're not going to break any windshields. Or, or, their eyes yeah, out or. or Yes, oh, the humanity. Yes, uh, <laughs> the humanity. But, you know, or candy or something like that. But but he did that at least twice here over a couple of different shopping malls that it was a promotional stunt that a radio station could bring him to town and, and, and get a crowd to come out that evening. Now, something we've read about him, he tends to not like to be Richard Sanders. He prefers to be Les Nessman when he is out doing those kinds of things. Did you run into that? Uh, was he? No, I guess I interviewed him by phone uh, maybe three, four, five days in advance so it would be in the in the paper now we'd say on the website but in the, <laughs> in the paper before so the people would know and could plan their day and, and get there. The, the thing I regret never asking him about was about the ever-moving bandage. Ah, yes. Yeah, I, you know, the, we, I, I we do a bandage report every single episode where it is in every episode. I believe it was an accident that 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 he had to wear a bandaid in the first yes. that he was hit, right. hit by a light or a, he had, had a light come down hitting right in the forehead. Okay, and it was one of the one of the barn doors, um, barn doors that open up, and and it cut him to the point where they took him to medical center, and they said, "Oh, you're going to need stitches." He said, "No, no, I got to get back because it's happened." Between shots, they shot the first one. Then they were doing the second one, and it happened in between. And uh, he said, he said he had to get back. They put a butterfly on it, right? And he came back, and and they tried then to cover it up with makeup. And they said, oh no, 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 you can't put any makeup on that. It's going to get infected. So that's what started it. And then from there on, it was always you know you had to have a band. Well, they tried to write in an explanation. Yeah, 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 yeah. in the script at the last minute, they, they're trying to write yeah, it in. Uh, he said that Hugh Wilson wrote a couple of lines for him that he would, somebody was supposed to say, Les, what happened? And he had some lines. And he said, it didn't work. We tried it a couple of times, and we said, eh, let's just not explain it. You know, just leave it there. It, it was a great running gag. Yes, <laughs> and, 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 and it was a nice little inside joke for all of us who loved the show. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was one of the cool things. About the, my, the only regret, and I'm sure that everybody involved regrets, is that it wasn't shot on film. It was yeah. shot on videotape. Yeah. Which looks kind of washed looks out. Mighty. I mean, you look if you run it and and Cheers side by side, mm-hmm. Cheers just glistens because it's on it film. On film, yeah, yep. That was for those music rights. They get yeah. the cheap music rights yeah. on video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, now you uh, volunteered to take us around town, right? <laughs> and what what made you volunteer to do that? Tell uh, the, in all honesty, uh, I, 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 I pride myself in what I've written about this, um, and. And, you know, the, the, there used to be an evening paper in town, the Cincinnati Post, and they had several different TV critics over time, and, and the Post went away 15, 20 years ago. So I pride myself in, in, in all the reporting I've done on WKRP and to become not a, not a granular e- expert on every event and every episode, but, but how it connected to this community, and I figured... I would know this better than, than anybody else you could you could drag into doing it. <laughs> I could do it pretty quickly. Yeah, and the other thing we did, um, the, unfortunately, the, the videographer and myself can't find a copy of, is that back in 2013, we did a side-by-side video of the open. And it was an education because some highways had changed, buildings had changed, even the, the tower height. When they zoomed in on the tower, and we wanted to get it matched. Things, well, the new tower is taller, and so we couldn't match Zoom it the same way. identically. We drove around to try to find the overpass of the cars coming from 75. The 
Third Street, Fort Washington Way has been completely redone. If you stand on the Kentucky side of the Roebling Suspension Bridge, and you, uh, the opening shot, there's the Riverfront Stadium where the Reds won their World Series in 75, 76. It's no longer there. It's been torn down and replaced. So there's just, we had so much fun and we had took so much care to try to match it scene by scene that I, uh, it's, it's a shame it doesn't exist because it's just, it was a fun piece. But you of, said you even started out with a digital radio. We started out with a digital ra- radio with my hand that would punch the button. Um, <laughs> Instead of you know fiddling with the, with the dial and and, uh, and yeah, it was just great fun to do. Yeah. And it, and it, we spent all day shooting it, and then and then it took a, another day or two to edit it all together. But unfortunately, it, it, they've uh, we've both left the paper. Since then, they've gone through three or four different computer programs and moved their databases around. And I mean, I don't think it exists, but I I had our Librarians scan in forty black and white stills, episodic stills from from WKRP, and wrote forty captions. For, yeah. So that it was a, a, what I considered was the history of the show. Uh, with some, you know, yes, there's Johnny with the that cartoonish map of Cincinnati behind him. Mm-hmm. I think there was the still from when Reds manager Sparky Anderson was was fired by KRP. There was at least one still from the, the Who episode. There was one, and I can't remember the episode. You, you'll tell me <laughs> where, where, where Travis and Jennifer were in some sort of modeling shoot in yes. bathing suits, tossing it was called filthy pictures. It was t- the name t- of that. Yeah. Tossing a, a beach ball back and On forth. A horrible background. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, back in the day when the when from it was standard practice from. 78 to 82 when KRP was on and every other show they would usually send out two black and white stills per episode wow. and so you know, and it wasn't just for KRP but it was for Newhart Mary Tyler Moore you know Rawhide you know you, you name it and so the Enquirer had, a, had an excellent library it was as big as a classroom with all kinds of vertical files and machine, and I would just go back there and go through the KRP files, and so and each one was would, would have a, a form on it from the network of what date it was, what the episode title was, and uh, so it was just fun to go back and look. And if we would have printed it in the paper, like this photo here of, of on this story when Gordon Jump and Gary Sandy visited, on the back they would have taken. The, the caption, and and cut it out and glued it to the back of it and and dated it, mm-hmm. so I could, you know, if there's a headshot of of Frank Bonner, I could on the back of it, it would be maybe six times it's been used and each time it was date stamped that I could then track the story that, that it went with. So it was just it, it it's a wonderful archive that that I used to have at my fingertips at the paper. It's still there. And it's. I mean, I'm, I'm told all those pictures are still there, but not of all the pictures, not just KRP. But it was a fascinating re- resource to have to be able oh, to go back nice. before the internet when you needed to construct the the episodes or a, or a season or whatever. Come up with a timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Bailey's my sweetheart, but uh, if I were going to hang out with anybody, it'd be Johnny and Venus. I'd, I'd love to hang with Johnny and Venus. 
Tim Reed strikes me as incredibly intelligent and very intense. Have you met Tim? Uh, yeah, because when um, really the, the probably the first time was was for um, uh, Frank's place. Oh, so that okay. was like a year or two later. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it was 86, 80, I think. 80, 86 or 87. Because my first time I went to L.A. with a press tour would be the summer of 86. I was either 86 or 87. And so, you know, we had had a press conference in a ballroom at a, at a hotel in L.A. with the entire cast and Hugh Wilson. And and we talked about the show, but also there's some, I'm sure, some KRP questions that will come up to it. That... that then during the press tour, that's during the CBS portion. So then one of the three nights of the CBS portion, quote unquote, there'd be a, a, a party with everybody who's on their air in the new shows and also returning shows. So that's where, you know, I would have an opportunity to sit and talk to Tim. He, he had, I think at that time, or he was just starting to put a, a movie studio, production studio in, in Virginia, in, in, Virginia in, yeah. in Richmond or, or Petersburg, uh, yeah. Virginia. I think Richmond. And, and, and he was, there, the two cities are really close to each other, and was talking about some of the projects he was doing there. And then later he came to town, and I interviewed him by phone when they, uh, the regional Emmy group, it's a multi state thing that Southern Indiana, the, the regional Emmy here reaches Kentucky. Southeastern Indiana, I think it reaches over to like maybe Charleston, West Virginia, plus up to Columbus and Dayton, Ohio. And they brought him in as the host. Oh, great. The, and, and, and also he threw out a first pitch of the Reds game. This was probably oh. <laughs> in like 2008, 2000. So I talked to him briefly on the phone, and he really didn't want to talk much about KRP, but I did get him to uh, talk a little bit about where the, you know, a little bit about KRP and then what he was up to. But, um, yeah, a very intelligent man. Apparently, a pretty good businessman. He, he and his wife, Daphne, I believe. Daphne, who he uh, met on the show. Oh, she was he? a guest star on the show, and that's how he met her. And you know, uh, but, uh, um, and and that whole backstory about what, Gordon Sims is that his yes, uh, Gordon uh, Sims uh, is being the draft dodger, and yeah. uh, just. Um, well, was, he also played double A ball for a while or triple A ball for a while in Texas. Was a part of his backstory. And he was a teacher. And he and he taught for a couple oh, oh, of years. Because yeah, there's that wonderful thing, the episode the with Adam. Venus and the Man. The Adam. The Adam. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't just goofy radio station stuff that they did on this show, and and, and that's one of the many reasons it's still beloved as it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were meaty, meaty storylines. There were storylines that meant something. They were they were important. And some of them were goofy and funny. The Pink Frog one, you know, was, was goofy. But, uh, but yeah, they really got into some heavy-duty things. So uh, so did you meet, uh, besides Lonnie, did you meet Jan Smithers? Oh, ever talked with her? I, I don't think I ever talked to Jan Smithers. She tends to be quite a, kind of shy press-wise, it seems like. But the, the only person, the, 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 there's a guy here in Cincinnati who, who, who did a graphic comic book on the history of KRP. Uh, Chad Lambert. I sent you some pictures. Yeah, you sent me some panels out of that. And when he went to some of the autograph uh, uh, fan shows for different shows, she showed up, and he has a, actually has a, met her and has a, which surprised me because, you know, at that time, I mean, early on she was either dating or married to James Brolin, and, and they kind of, right. she kind of had her non-Hollywood life with him. And and she didn't do 
any of the recurring press parties that, and, and I don't think she was acting much when I would, you know, in the 85 to like 2000 when I'd be going to L.A. twice a year. She's, yeah, she's really gotten out of acting uh, yeah. pretty much entirely. She was doing more meditation, spiritualism, religious studies, those kinds of things. So, How about Frank? Frank Bonner? Fra- Fra- Frank Bonner. <laughs> what, we, I, I did meet him with the, um, with the revival. But, you know, he was quite busy because he was a... He did a lot of sitcom directing. A lot of directing, and, yeah. And so he didn't. He never did a lot of press press with, with the the TV critics when they were in town. Because I'm going to guess he was pretty busy when when he was that he was working. I yeah. mean that you know that was uh, that he took the the comedic chops, the timing that he learned at KRP. But then he. He had a, a great influence behind the camera shooting stuff. That well, he directed that, several Caribbean episodes. Yeah. yeah. He's always struck me as hilarious. I think I, I think he would just be a riot to hang around with. He's a funny guy. We, we enjoyed talking to Hugh Wilson a lot, just because he had it was his vision, and he was able to. And and, and there were things he could tell us about the show. I mean, I, as as much as it's fun to to deal with some of the, the actors, particularly all the time they go to Hollywood, it, it was really clear, and some of them made it clear that if. If the word wasn't put on the page by a writer, I really didn't have that much to say. And and so they could talk about where they see their character going or what was out of character. But they, they really, you know, like whether it was the West Wing or ER or NYPD Blue, when we meet them in the summer before the next season, they really couldn't tell us what was going to happen until the writers, yeah. you know, they could kind of guess or kind of say what they'd like to see happen. But... Um, in the case of KRP, it was it was it was all in the past tense because it was you know over by by the spring of unfortunately by the spring of eighty two. Yeah. But how did he? What was Hugh Wilson like? Just uh, as a person, just kind of his was he a laid back guy? He was kind of a southerner, right? He had, yeah, uh, a southerner had an accent a bit, but, and and he was uh, he was folksy, he was candid. I mean, so he, 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 he strikes me as a good storyteller. Yes, he? yes, uh, um, and and he would wasn't afraid. And I don't know if I I kept the all my notes to Frank's place or not. I think I did. It, it's in my Tim Reed file. But you'd ask him a question, and he'd give you like a, a Southerner could give you a long-winded answer, but with full of color and, and detail, and to really explain what happened or what shaped it, 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 the backstory of something before it happened. And uh, I, I know that w- when Frank's Place, when we saw it in the summer, the, the TV critics, I could say as a group, were just blown away by how good it was and, and how well it, it handled a, a touchy issue of race. And and we were all really big fans and uh, were saddened that it, that it didn't find an audience yeah. and, and it was gone so quickly. Yeah, one season, 22 episodes, and bye-bye. Yep. Yeah. We're pushing hard to get it out on DVD. <laughs> you would think some streaming service would pick yeah, it up. Yeah, uh, somebody would put it out there. Everything They're else so is desperate for content. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, any other recollections, things you want to you throw words at us? Stories, words of wisdom? <laughs> oh, he's digging in his bag. All right. What's he going to bring out? What do we have here? So anyway, what's been? Well, like I said, here's the here, here's the story I did at eighty seven. 
probably uh, will KRP ever to Wilson, a friendly down-home type with a southern drawl. <laughs> the KRP cast was his family. And I pretty well uh, asked Wilson about KRP, and he'll talk for hours is what I wrote in 87. He'll tell you his frustrations. Quote, it's gotten to be a bigger hit in syndication than it ever did on the air. Yeah. He would have an annual KRP Christmas party at his home and have the cast over. <laughs> and... Uh, I asked him to, to name his favorite episode, and of course he said the turkey drop. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said he'll tell you everything except the which KRP cast members he didn't choose for the role. Oh. Quote, there was one actor in there that I that is not the one I picked. I'll never tell you who it was, <laughs> but they said, nope, sorry, you've got seven, we're going to go with six, but we would don't like this one and we're making you take this other one so I don't know who or what it was um, who it was but anyway so it's it's been fun to go back and look at the the, uh, the clips I even have uh, some of the the, the original color of uh, Lonnie Lonnie Anderson color transparencing um So anyway, it's been fun to chronicle the, uh, and, and of course in, in, in my uh, in my files is a story from '79. Is KRP really in Cincinnati by United Press International? Um, and and at this point, there in, in the late '70s, there's this funky jazz station on the Ohio River not too far from the suspension bridge, that there was three huge oil drums welded together, and that was a jazz station called WNOP. Um, and they, they would literally, except when, it, when the river froze, they, they had it balanced so they could play. They were playing songs from albums. They had a record library there and everything. And, um, and one of the stories I read going over all this stuff was that after they chose and shot the open and zoomed in on what we call the Flynn Building, which was really the Empire Building, the Cincinnati Empire, where I worked from 75 to 92 before they moved, that apparently somebody came to town afterwards and saw the floating oil drums and thought, boy, this would have been perfect <laughs> for, for, for a little bit of buyer's remorse that they, instead of zooming in on the on the, uh, the Inquirer building at 617 Vine Street, whether they could have zoomed in on the on this funky this floating oil drums, <laughs> funky oil drum. So <laughs> now, now Bob told us that that was. I wondered if he tried several different buildings. You know, if they tried different ones to where the station was going to be. He said that was always it. That was the only one. That was the one they wanted. That's, That's where the station was use. always. Um, I, I'll take his word for it. <laughs> Bob was excellent at, at you know, and what he shot. What do you call himself? Phone a shot? Was it that they phone, phone, a, phone a shot? Phone a shot. Yeah, phone a shot. So, you know, going back and looking here, uh, here's a story that says approximately 50 viewers called WCPO after the WKRP episode aired that night about the Who concert tragedy. Oh, yeah. Most were supportive, said yeah. the general manager. The calls began the moment the program ended at 8.30. Only five callers protested the showing, and most of them simply stated they believed the subject matter was inappropriate for a comedy show. Huh. Um, 
But there was, you know, there was talk that the station wouldn't run it, um, and they reviewed it, the CPO, and decided to air it because um, it was still a pretty, pretty uh, open wound. Pretty fresh, it's a fresh, yeah, yeah. fresh wound, yeah. But I, I give them credit that they, uh, that they did. I mean, yeah. and, and thought to do it, uh, yeah. you know, being a rock right. station and being in Cincinnati, and and of course, the the problem there was that there was the, it was all general festival seating as it right. was called, right. and the, and the, the, they only were letting people into two doors of the four doors, and then people heard the sound check and and, and there, there was a panic that thinking that was the concert, yeah. and it, it, it these people were. People, I've talked to people who were in the crowd who said my feet were off the ground yeah. and I was moving forward to either side and I couldn't get my feet on the ground and I couldn't control where I was going. That just sounds and, so scary. Yeah. And um, um, and then by the end of December, this happened December 3rd, by the end of December, Cincinnati City Council voted to end festival seating. And so everybody had to have a ticket for a seat. But yeah, the other thing I was thinking, I, I was speaking to a college class just in the past month, and I talked about the coverage of this because the people who got in the concert didn't know about the right. 11 people, right. and the who played, and they were not told. They weren't aware. No, they, they weren't they'd told. already moved them to the next city. Well, they knew they, it was about. on the plane. After the show, they learned because we had a reporter and a couple of people, uh, other reporters in town, got on the same plane and flew with them. I think it was Buffalo was their next stop, and interviewed them some on the plane and then after they landed. But, but it so I was trying to explain to, to, to kids today who grew up with cell phones that if you had a cell right. phone, you you somebody would have texted you, you would have known what was happening. Yeah. Or your mom or dad would have texted you to say, are you okay? Yeah. Right. But, yeah. So this place was filled with more than 10,000 people, and they don't know till they get in the car to drive home, they might hear it on the radio. Yeah. And I know somebody who stopped at a payphone to call mom and say we're okay. Right, because parents were probably oh, hearing about just, it before well, we, had, we had one, one of our listeners uh, posted on our Facebook page said his sister was there, and mom and dad were just, you know, scared to death until she got home, and she got home late because getting out of there was so difficult. Mm-hmm. So give me a pause here. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll edit this out anyway. All right. So, oh, wow. That's so in, in 2007 is when the, the Fox version of the first season came out. Oh, okay. With, yeah. with, without the music. With, with the, the, the syndicated music replacements, which yes, were yeah, horrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, But it was the first time that these were going to be out, you know, because on, on DVD. So I did a story about it, and I asked people to, to write it or email me and tell me about their KRP memories and experience. And one was a woman who, who grew up in, um, uh, grew up in, in, in Denmark, loving the show. Mm-hmm. And so she went to college here in Ohio, in Oberlin, uh, Oberlin College, and came back and moved to Cincinnati. And she moved to Cincinnati because she loved WKRP <laughs> and loved the fountain. So, so this was one of the, the, the fun stories I was able to do, and, and with the with that package to um, to do what the stars were up to then as an 07, um, where they might be today, according to what Gary Sandy told me. Uh, here was 
uh, about all the Cincinnati connections, including Bob Gerding, who shot most of the exteriors and video. Uh, there was a former DJ named Casey Petrowski. Oh, yeah. We've, we've interviewed Casey. We know Casey pretty well. Uh-huh. Uh, Dan Gunselman used it. Uh, he yeah. wrote Dan, an episode and Dan, used it. To, Dan became a writer for the final three seasons he was on, yeah. And then later went on to do other things. So Yeah, oh, he so, was, uh, who's the boss was, uh, was one of his. Yeah. Who's the boss, and he did just the ten of us, and he did a UPN newsroom drama called Live Shot. I'd occasionally but run into him. He had been a TV cameraman here in town yeah, right before he headed out to, to California. Yeah. So I, it was it, it was it was the gift that kept on giving. <laughs> uh, I I'd interviewed Gerding several times. I mean, now he's got drones that uh, he and his son have drones that they've been used for movies like Marauders, Marauders, and everything, other things, other films. So it's it's just been a it's been a fascinating part of my life, knowing how it touched this community so deeply. People still love it. People on radio in this town. Really loved it. There's a there's a radio station called WKRC, which stood for Codell Radio Company back in 1922, but they changed it the C to the P, and, and re-recorded the jingle and, and would use it on the air. You know, WKRP in Cincinnati uh, as WKRC in Cincinnati. So, well, they were initially confused early on. People thought, oh, this has got to be about them, but it, but what it really wasn't? It was. Uh, no, you know that was the the staid old Taft Broadcasting station at that at that time. Um, so anyway, from time to time, I'll get the question: Where was KRP located here, or whatever? But but so anyway, your first question was: Why did I want to give you the tour? Because I felt that I could connect you to some of the people like Bob Gerding and, and others who, who who were involved. I could show you where the city was seen on, from here. And it's still, you know, it's it's a part of my life. It's a part of this the city's culture. It's it's been it's been a great run. Well, and you know what what we look at in the podcast, we're really looking at the content of the episode. And it's so enjoyable for us to find these stories behind the episodes. Mm-hmm. These things that were that that ultimately ended up on the air that we that we all saw. But what you know? What brought that about? And then also, like you said, the aftermath—the gift that keeps on giving. It's just uh, well, a, a man named Roger Rule. He was like the Reds' uh, marketing guy in the in the early seventies. Then had a long run as the Chamber of Commerce marketing person. And he recalls, you know, when he got heard that there was going to be some show doing about a Cincinnati radio station, and, and got a request and want to know if we they could get him some hats or maps or whatever. And and it was, and they sent him some stuff, but. But between the, 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 the Convention of Visitors Bureau, the Chamber of Commerce, various radio stations in town, would, and, and, and also businesses like the Playhouse of the Park or the Symphony or the Opera, when they knew that they had a distinctive poster or something or a T-shirt, they'd send it out in hopes that, that Lonnie would wear it or that it would be put up on a wall G- somewhere. Gary, Riddle, mm-hmm. G- Gary, Weird. Gary wore a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the community really got involved that way, and it was fun to... To see it mirrored Cincinnati, and that it was legit stuff on the walls. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just some art director for MTM Studios just making this stuff up. Oh no, the they wall. loaded it up. Yeah. That was all legit Cincinnati. And, yeah. and and it was a, as I understand it, it was a constant flow of stuff. And in fact, when 
when that sequel that we didn't talk about <laughs> came out, they, they again reached out to me to get out the word to the end of the chamber and all to say, you know, we need it, we need more of this stuff because mm-hmm. we're updating. So yeah, that's great how they they type it, but it's 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 so funny they they so branded the show as being in Cincinnati. Sometimes you forget, you know, you think about. No, that didn't really happen here. You know, it right. happened in Los Angeles. Yeah. It didn't really happen here. Yeah, we were just talking earlier when we were touring about uh, Gary and his girlfriend walking through the yeah. park, and we're like, "Oh, we want to see that park." No, hold it. That didn't happen here. That was, that was in L.A. No, no but it's, it's cool that you can still see the fountain, the river, yeah. the bridge, yeah. the, the view from Mount Adams of the city, or even or even to find. Uh, Johnny Fever's apartment. Yeah. It's, it's, still, it's still, still there on Calhoun Street by yep. Moles Record Shop. I'm, anybody in Cincinnati, if I mention Moles Record Shop on Calhoun, they'll, they'll know where we were. Yep. And it's right above it. So that's that's the cool thing. Yeah, it's really neat. So, well, John, thank you so much for the tour, for the talk, for the, the information. It's been a great day. A great day. It's been fantastic. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like I said, when I got the message that you guys were coming, I thought, you know, I'd get the word out so you could run into some people, but I was more than happy to, to give you the Cincinnati KRP tour. Oh, well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, he actually had some pictures of himself posing with Howard Hessman. And Tim Reed. And Tim Reed. and Oh, Gordon Jump. He yeah, talked and to Gordon, Gordon Jump, Jump several times. And um, Richard Sanders. Gary, Gary Sandy. Sandy. You asked him what Howard Hessman was like. And he said, not too far off from uh, Johnny Dr. Fever, Johnny yeah. Fever. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the same deal. <laughs> that was a ton of fun, sitting sitting down with uh, Keyswater. And yes. just a huge thank you to John for, man, putting in the time and taking us around and showing us Giving all this us stuff. Giving us an entire afternoon to yeah, us. Yeah, just so incredible. And thank you so much for that. It just was uh, you know, a high point of the trip and, uh, and, and so much fun. All right, so that night... I don't remember. Did we eat? No, we were too full from the Taft. <laughs> from the Taft oh, the Taft was kind of dinner. That was, was, kinda, that was, was dinner. It was early, later in the day. It was day. like lupper. Yeah, kind of. but it, it was an extended meal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't, think, I don't think I was ever hungry the entire... Once we started eating, it was just... And they have so many restaurants in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. What is it with... I was looking for stores to go shopping just to poke around in. It was restaurant after restaurant after restaurant. It's like, where are the sh- then, shopping places? Well, then there would be the bar, then the coffee house, then a restaurant, then restaurant, restaurant. restaurant. <laughs> it was always some place to eat. So on Friday, Friday I'm trying to keep three. up here. This is day three on Friday. We were set up for lunch with a listener of the podcast. Who lives there in Cincinnati. Who lives in Cincinnati. And this guy also was a huge help to us. Back when we first decided we wanted to do this, the whole reason we did it this week is because of opening day. We really had given up on getting opening day tickets because they were just so difficult to get in the lottery and just everybody wants to be their opening day. Well, this guy is very involved with the Reds Hall of Fame. And because of that, he has the opportunity to get opening day tickets. So he got us set up with opening day tickets. And we were so excited. But unfortunately, I told him, I said, you know... We have guaranteed that opening day is going to be delayed now. It's because, not going to happen. Yeah, because we got tickets to opening day. <laughs> so unfortunately, that happened. But still, we wanted to see Greg and talk to him. And uh, this guy's name is Greg Gages, and he has been a listener of the podcast, I think, going all the way back to the beginning. So we went back to the Moorline Lager. 
Yeah, we had wanted a little more uh, investigation there. And well, also, and it, he had just had his knee replaced nine days before he met us. And he's on a cane. And he's on a cane walking all over the place. And he said, he said, I know because he works down there at the Hall of Fame and he works around that area. He said, I know that I can go from the parking garage to the elevator in a few steps and then from the elevator to the front door of the moor line in a few steps. So right. that so was that perfect was for him. very handy for him and fine for us because we liked the yeah. food. We were ready to go back. Yeah, we wanted to go back and give it a tr- give it a try for something a little more substantial than just an appetizer. And we had a great time talking with Greg, who is a baseball historian. It's a hobby that he's kind of turned into a job. He's got a book published that he co-wrote on and the 69 really Reds. And you really got into baseball talk because you're a big vintage baseball. I, I love pre Pro, but what he was writing about uh, in his book is the first professional team in 1869, which was right at the end of, of what, what you, my era is. Uh-huh. Uh, what we go out and do uh, when we do recreations and things is the vintage, the the gentleman's era of baseball. That was a lot of fun talking with him about that, and he brought his copy of his book, so we got to bring that back with us. Um, we did not interview him, though. <laughs> no, we did not interview Greg, but we had a great talk with him at uh, a great at visit. Yes, great visit with him, and he caned his way out of there just. Striding right along. Yes, he's doing very well. Keep up the PT, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Then after lunch, we're like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. Let's go back to Finley Market. And we'll just get on the bell connector. We hopped on the bell connector. Ride it and see all the stops. And that's where we found... Adam and the gang at the Chicago... At the Uh, Cincinnati Hemp Company. Company. And you bought some things there. I purchased a few products from the hemp company. Now, what they have there is not THC. It is a CBD extract. And you got to talk to them about it. I didn't get all the details. They were throwing a lot of numbers at me. But this is legal weed is what they're selling here. And they say it's legal in all 50 states. But boy, there was a good buzz uh, from (laughs) from what I got. Uh, And it it was good. As I was walking around with one of the joints that they had uh, given us, that's when I ran into the uh, phone cops building. It was that night. Oh, was that? Okay. Yes. And I've posted that now to the the Facebook page. (laughs) I found the old Cincinnati Bell building. And I don't know anything about it, but it is the most imposing building I've ever seen. And maybe the weed helped a little bit to make it a little more scary. But uh, so I've posted it to the Facebook page. Now. Yeah. So give those guys a visit. They were they were great to talk to. Yeah. Cincinnati. Very uh, nice guys. Hemp Company just off of the Finley Market. We rode the trolley back to the hotel for a little bit of a rest. Um, and we're like, well, now what do you, we, we've got to eat. We got to eat. Of we course. Eat. And we had talked about the tickle pickle. The tickle pickle. I said, we haven't gone to the tickle pickle yet. We got to go to <laughs> the tickle pickle. Because we mentioned it on the show. And just because not only did it come up like in the top five of all these different lists of good burger joints in Cincinnati, but also because of the name. Yes. The name was killing us. And a listener had posted on the Facebook page, Dave Mars of Mars Cars. He said, hey. If you need to get around, give me a call. Dave has been our chariot. He's taken us all over. We had a, he took us out the airport when we were all done. But that night, he picked us up and took us to he took us to the tickle the pickle, tickle pickle. And he's got nice cars. It's a it's a very nice oh yeah service. We posted his phone number on the Facebook page. And if you're in Cincinnati, give uh, Dave a call. Dave Mars Mars Cars. So we got up to the tickle pickle, and man, is this place nonstop character. Everything about it is hilarious. The menu, you know how some menus will have one or two little ha-ha 
Every a single pun. item Every has one of them. had a, a special name. A and music pun. It's going to be on our Facebook page, too. It's, it's up there. Yeah, go check out the Facebook page. It is posted. It's been getting a ton of, of likes. But just to give you a sample, Bread Zeppelin, Rob Zomwich, <laughs> Metallica. I mean, these guys have put in the work that they did just on this menu. Bun Jovi, that was cracking me bon up. Bun Jovi, bon that Jovi. was cracking me up, yeah. <laughs> so you, you got to check it out. We posted it, but it's the Tickle Pickle. It is on the north side of Cincinnati. But, oh, the juiciest burgers. Yeah. I wanted to go back and have one more meal there, but we ran out of time. And we posted pictures of what you're looking at there on the Facebook page, Hamstein and Slater were the two sandwiches that we had and they were delicious. They I like I, I can I say this? I liked it better than the brew burger. Hey, on some of the lists, Tickle Pickle was a brew burger. So I mean, you know, yeah. different I mean, critics have different things that really brew, that they brew like. Brew burger was was a kind of a fancier yeah. place. Yeah. But the tickle pickle, oh my gosh. Oh the food. Yeah. It was the food was awesome. The, the atmosphere killed. was fun yeah. and we really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, and, and the the music, the soundtrack they were playing, it'd be fifties, then it'd be some screaming metal thing. And then that, something from the forties. So, yeah, I mean, they covered everything. <laughs> and we just walked around for a while. We walked around the north side and we hit the north side tavern. Yes. Uh and we uh dropped Dave a note um that we were ready to head back. He sent April from Mars Cars out to pick us up. In and a very nice vehicle. Nice vehicle. And we've converted April. She's a listener now. <laughs> Give her a business Hi, card. April. <laughs> Hi, April. <laughs> so she started listening. We actually, we have no shame. We brought it up on her iPhone uh, in the car. Oh, yeah. So we're playing Mainly the show. She said, hand me your phone. Yeah. yeah so I'll give show me your, you. Give me your phone. Here, I'll, I'll put it in there. It's the only thing that will play. But uh, so she got us back to the hotel, and again, another full, busy day, and we collapsed. Ugh. And now our final day. Yep. Last day. Last full day, day Saturday. In Cincinnati. Um, we went to the Ohio bookstore, looked Off around the in Street. there, and it was just like right a block or two from where we were staying. And wow, the stock in that bookstore. Just Used books, floor to some ceiling, new books. and they have like fourteen foot ceilings. Oh my goodness! They have vintage and old and first editions and signed yes. signed copies. Some things behind locked. Yes, the locked very, doors there the and nice the glass stuff. doors. So it was really, if you're into literature, uh, you got to check it out. And we were kind of thinking Bailey probably spent a lot of time at the Ohio bookstore. I think that so. would have been a Bailey like a hangout Bailey place. Then we caught the tank bus for a ride to the Gruff. And the for lunch. Tank is the Transit Authority of North Kentucky. That's it. Yeah. It, tank. <laughs> I like the tank, though. <laughs> We're riding the tank. Yeah. And the gruff, it was, the food was, meh. Was that right? Nothing like the tickle pickle. Yeah. After the tickle pickle, we were kind of, you know, a bit. Uh, uh, but the gruff, the fun thing about the gruff is it is right at the base of the Roebling Bridge on the other side. So you're looking the, out over the river, right. you're seeing the bridge right there. It's kind of a cool angle on the bridge. So that's that's kind of the fun of the gruff. But we were getting over to that side because we had our boat tour planned. Right, right. So we went over and it wasn't quite time for our boat to leave. So we walked around um, the Newport on the levee. Which is a shops and There's shopping. There's a big aquarium there. The Newport Aquarium. We didn't There's, have time to see it. That ought to be on our list for next and time. And there was quite a line. 
we noticed going there by. There was, when we got there and when we left. Yeah, it looked like a wait to get in there. But uh, no, the Newport on the Levee, really nice shopping area. And it's right looking right out on the Ohio. Yeah, there are the shops there. Finally found some shops. <laughs> Only on the Kentucky side, yes. not in Cincinnati. No shops. Everything's food in Cincinnati. Except for Batsakis. And Batsakis. Hats and Skyline Chilean food. Then it was time for us to board the River Queen. Then get on the BB Boat Tours, which are there and on the Kentucky tour. side. And on a on a uh, steam paddle wheel river boat that he said the only steam's down in the kitchen. Uh, everything's <laughs> gas powered. There's yeah. no real steam running the boat. And wh- who was it? Banjo Bob? Banjo Bob. Banjo Bob was playing riverboat music. Steve, uh, a lot of Stephen Foster tunes. He made it all the way up to the Beatles. He, he did said do his, some Beatles songs. He said his newest tunes were 60 he years old. He played Freebird Well, that's on true. The he, banjo. Did, he did play Freebird. yeah. That was a request, I think. <laughs> but then he also played You Are My Sunshine and <laughs> those kinds. So he was entertaining. So we headed out. Uh, we, we went upstream and down and did kind of a big loop and we heard a little bit about the architecture Banjo from the river. Banjo Bob talked about the architecture of the buildings and, and how old some of the buildings were. and The history of uh, what we were seeing and mm-hmm. how the river has affected things over the years. And there's uh, one of the cranes is the heaviest on the Ohio and it's been there since 1925. You go by that. I mean, just a lot of little details like that he was throwing out mm-hmm. as we were going. So, uh, but But a really fun trip just a cool little it's like 90 minutes yeah on the river very relaxing you could sit there and and drink your beverage or whatever and look out on the river it was a little bit of a gray day but still still a nice tour and and it is inside uh so even right. if, even if you got a cold day you you do have an option to be inside and then we went back to the hotel we were both pretty tuckered out <laughs> didn't feel like going anywhere so we ordered pizza from Taglio's? Uh, te- Taglio's pizza. Taglio's OTR, Taglio. which is over the Rhine. And it was good. And that was it. We went to bed early because we had to be up at 4.30 in the morning. Because Dave Mars, Mars car is going to be picking us up at 5.30, and he was there on the dot. Oh, yes. And got us right out to the airport. And, and man. We just, took a selfie with him as well. Everybody that we ran into, everybody we talked to, it was just so much fun. Uh, we, we met a lot of great people. Had a lot of fantastic experiences. A lot of fantastic food. Oh, man. Yes. But everybody was so friendly. That was That's what got me is how friendly everybody was. My biggest regret is we didn't get to eat the Tickle Pickle again. But <laughs> well, also... Montgomery we, Inn. We didn't get out there. And we didn't get out to Montgomery Inn. But I didn't get to see enough flying pigs. Yeah. There was just the one there in the airport, really. And then I the, wanted to we see saw some one more. more in town. Yeah, but we didn't get a picture of it. Yeah. I want, so the next time we go to, to in Cincinnati... In Yeah, we got to see, see flying the pigs. pigs. So thank you. We got to get on the pig tour. And, and we got to say thanks again to John Keyes, Keyswetter, for taking us around and, and doing the tour, and Bob Girding for the yes. talking with us. Uh, Dave Mars, uh, Mars Dave Mars, Cars. Mars Cars. Getting us um, safely out to the airport. Um, gosh, I don't want to forget. Anybody. Yeah, and that, that's the, well, uh, Roy Penny for a lot of the details and and Chesy, uh, our Chesy DR man and Cincy, uh, Chesy De Benedetto for giving us a lot of the tips on those exterior locations. Um, yeah, I'm sure we forgot a lot of folks. So thanks a lot, everybody, and for Greg. Uh, and and it was Greg so, Gages. Oh, for Greg Gages. Def- with oh us. yeah, for meeting with us and also getting us the opening day tickets. Yeah. But it was so cool. Be social media element of the trip by and at first i thought well does anybody really care but 
there were 30 or 40 people that every time we do a post, you'd get a like or a thumbs mm-hmm. up within just a few minutes. And it was so cool to feel like you guys were traveling with us. That was fun. That was that, that was, was kind of neat to kind of this virtual, you know, where we're all on a big tour of Cincinnati and you guys are kind of experiencing it with us. That right. was really cool. And anybody we talked to and we told them why we were there, they, I loved that show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that show ended way too soon. And, and we made up some business cards that had some information about the podcast on it. So we handed quite a few of those out and we did see our... Cincinnati area number jump way up this last week for listeners. <laughs> I hope it stays up. Yeah, so stay with us, um, and we really appreciate the support, and it was so much fun. And next week, we're back to the episodes, and we're doing rumors. That's right, rumors. All righty. Well, we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for our Cincinnati trip recap, but we do have one more thank you and some additional audio to share. We mentioned being interviewed by Chris and Janine, the Married with Microphones morning show on WGRR. A huge thanks to those guys for letting us promote our show and giving us some time in morning drive. They were kind enough to send us the audio from our segment. We did post it to the Facebook page, but here it is just in case you missed the link. Chris and Janine on 103.5 WGRR. If you never wondered, wondered whatever became of me, I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. WKRP. We're talking with Alan and Donna Stair. They're the host of the WKRP Cast Rewatch Podcast. It's about the original WKRP and Cincinnati show. Some great behind the scenes stuff and excerpts from the show. We'll be talking about that in, uh, in just a second. But they're actually visiting Cincinnati to see some of the iconic places that were featured in the show, particularly in the, uh, the opening of WKRP in Cincinnati. So, Alan and Donna, welcome to the Tri State. Oh, we're glad to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you for everything that you're doing. Of course, fans of the show. So uh, you've been in town for a few days. What kind of things have you seen? Uh, well, we are staying in the, uh, uh, most people know it as the Cincinnati Inquirer building, but on the show, it is the fabulous Flim building. The Flim building. Uh, and we're on the top <laughs> floor where the station would have been. Uh, so that's that's been fun. But from here, we've had a great vantage point to get down to Fountain Square. We walked down along the riverfront, just had a blast. Yesterday. Over the bridge. Yeah, we crossed the Roebling Bridge. The Hampton and Homewood are now in the former site of the station, uh, which actually I love the fact that and, and we're going to talk to Bob Gerding later later today, who shot a lot of those. Well, I think he shot everything that were exteriors in town here. Right. And I want to find out why this building became the station. That's going to be a question <laughs> we've got for him. Why was this the one that they used for the station? Because I love the fact that they put the station in a newspaper building. That cracks me up. They're you know, changing media there. And so one of the places you visited was Heritage Bank Center. Of course, uh, that was the site of the Who tragedy. And uh, WKRP did that whole episode on that. So what did that feel like? Uh pretty uh somber yeah um you know actually we were originally today was supposed to be opening day mm-hmm. and we had tickets um that was the the intent of the trip this week was to be here for opening day and to experience cincinnati on you know the first day of the reds plan um so we would have seen it naturally then and we were planning on seeing it then but because of where it's located, right there between the bleacher entrance to the ballpark and the, the center, 
you got to really work to get up there when the ballpark's not open. Yeah. So uh, we, we took some time finding it, and we were able to get up there and find it. But one of our listeners uh, had had alerted us to its you know its existence, and he said, you got to make sure and go because it's so tied to that episode. So we definitely got up there and got a picture and got it posted on our Facebook page. We're talking with Alan and Donna Stair from the WKRP cast. It's a great podcast about WKRP in Cincinnati, behind the scene things in the in the show. And it's pretty interesting. The one I heard you're talking about uh, some of the songs that are used in the show when they originally broadcast, like Celebration was won by Cool and the Gang. But the later broadcast, they couldn't get the rights to use it again. So they had to either mute it or use something else, right? Yeah, and there is a whole story with that. Because they shot the show on videotape, they got these rights options. And we talk about it in the, in one of our episodes, in our prologue episode. Um, so, yeah, and they had short-term rights. They only had them for a couple of years. Yeah. So when the show became a huge hit in syndication, suddenly now the record companies wanted a whole lot more money for all of that music. So they had to change it out. Then in 2015, a company came along, took the entire series, tried to restore all that. That was the Shout Factory and their DVD set. So about 85% of the original music is back in the episodes. But what's interesting is the stuff that's not there and what they've done to get around it. Yeah. So we do, we do point that out every episode when there's been a song substitution or they've muted a song. Uh, and that, that part of it, for me, as a former DJ and radio guy, I love that. I get into that part of it. Well, you look like you had a lot of fun yesterday. You went, of course, to Fountain Square and saw the Tyler Davidson Fountain. You had some Skyline Chili. So it looks like you're hitting all the hot spots. <laughs> We're talking about having some more Skyline Chili. That's well, yeah. <laughs> Check out the WKRP Cast Facebook page with Alan and Donna Stair. They've got all kinds of photos from their visit here in Cincinnati. Be sure and check out the WKRP Cast wherever you get your podcast. You'll have to come back and visit. Something we've been struck by is just how incredibly nice everyone is in town. Uh, we've we've met some fantastic people, had some great conversations about Cincinnati and about WKRP, but everybody's just been fantastic. Well, that's great. Alan and Donna Stair, host of the WKRP Cast Rewatch podcast. They're married with microphones as well, just like us. So you guys enjoy the, the rest of your visit. All right. We will. Thanks. Cincinnati's Morning Show, Married with Microphones, 103.5 WGRR. May the good news be yours. The WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shout Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP in Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders. Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger!